Good evening, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. A happy July the 4th to our ex-colonial listeners. I hope that you're having a wonderful day masticating on the bones of the domestic animals, much as the masters gnaw on our wallets. And uh, that may not be necessarily your toast for the evening, but uh, you may want to think about it. Hope you're having a great day. Hope you had a wonderful time with friends and family. Let's get on to da philosophy. All right. Well, up first today is Serge. He wrote in, and his question is, how honest should I be with my young kids when it comes to big issues while trying to maintain their innocence? I'm afraid to lay the hammer of reality down on them too much or soon, but at the same time, I don't want them to be ignorant as well. That's from Serge. Well, welcome. I'm sorry that you didn't work in Iraq. No, but, I... um how old are the kids uh, that you're talking about? Uh, they're nine and five. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, you know, obviously a, a, a difference in approaches between the two. Right? Oh, absolutely. And um, are there any particular topics that you find yourself skirting around? Oof. I mean, there's... Or not? <laughs> are there any topics <laughs> yeah. that you don't have to skirt around? Well, there's, you know... There's a, there's a bunch. The main one is probably drugs. And there's obviously some things, you know, obviously my son goes to school, he takes social studies, you know, he's always talking about government and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't want him to tell him too much of the truth about the government he's in and, you know, how they're raping him, robbing him, etc. So Especially a, since you're sending him to a government school, which absolutely. makes the conversation all the more challenging. Oh, hey, the evil institution signed you over. Exactly. It's like, Hey, call your sister here. She's in kindergarten. Guess what I'm going to tell her now. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, especially in uh, social sciences. A friend of mine sent me some screenshots of his kids and their social science stuff, and oh my god, it's such astounding propaganda. Yeah. Without the government, all would be anarchy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or, or I was reading today about how haircut. You know, such an innocuous word that apparently there's going to be free haircuts. <laughs> In, in in Greece. And what that means is if you have an account with more than 8,000 euros in it, everything over the 8,000, I think, is going to be, uh, well, it might be taken 30% by the banks because, you know, the banks need the money. And remember how when you need money and the banks have a lot of it, they're happy to give you free money. It's just the same thing, but the other way around. And in the article, there are fears <laughs> that if this, if this doesn't happen, there'll be anarchy, right? Of course, with anarchy, even if it was the traditional nonsense that they talk about, with, with actual anarchy, uh, you'd be able to defend yourself. But when they suck your digital numbers up uh, through, through the banking system, well, good luck with that. You know, <laughs> I, I, I thought I had a kidney. Apparently, it got, uh, it got downloaded and <laughs> it's, yeah. gone, it's gone from my body. <laughs> uh, no chance for defense. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if the alternative to this, in fact, is anarchy. Yes, the alternative to organized theft is voluntarism. I will certainly grant them that. But, of course, everyone thinks uh, it means the opposite. Of, but, yeah, so these kind of propaganda things are definitely cooking around the body and brain politic. So why is your kid in school? Why is he in school? Because um, well, he has school. to, you know. The government makes no. Um, obviously, it's one of those situations where, honestly, I can't uh, afford private school or neither can we even afford to do homeschooling and I, and actually I mean this I've been starting to listen to you for probably the past five months and you know I never got around thinking about the propaganda in public schools and sure enough there's a whole bunch 
And I've been starting to do a lot of thinking, and I've been trying to do a lot of thinking over the summer. You know, as summer is going by, I'm working, thinking what what can we do for possibly next year or even the year after that. Um, so I've been trying to really think about what we can do. Obviously, you know, me and my wife, we both work. Um, thank God we why, have. Why? You've, you've got you got a lot of obviouslys. Like, well, obviously, I, obviously the sun is going to rise tomorrow. Obviously, there's gravity. Obviously, my kid goes to government school. Obviously, my wife and I both work. I, obviously. obviously, it's not maybe obvious to you, but it's not yeah, obvious it's not. to me. But yeah, so yeah, we're really trying to. I'm, at least I'm trying to think. And also, the other thing would be. Wait, wait, hang on, hang on, sorry. hang on. Okay. Why, why do both you and your wife work if you have two kids? I'm sorry. Why do we have? Why we both work? Why do you both work if you have two kids? Um, to support them, live in our house. No, but why, why do you both have to work? Well, well, for me and well, my wife, she, she's the type that loves to work, that needs to work. However, you know, she did quit her full-time job to become a freelancer so she could spend more time with the kids. Obviously, they're, well, again, I said obviously, look at that. Um, All right, now, uh, uh, to be I, honest with you, Serge, yeah. uh, this is probably completely unjust. Sure. But when I hear the word freelancer, do you know what I hear? Tell me. I, I hear the sound of lonely pennies falling down a well, <laughs> and, and it's called payment. You know, I'm going to be a freelance editor. In other words, <laughs> I'm going to root through garbage like a raccoon looking for food. Now, um, so what's, what's she making? Uh, she makes, let's say, about 6000 a month on freelancing. Obviously, we're going to be double taxed at the end of the year, so we're trying to figure out what to do with Wait, she's situation. making $6,000 a month freelancing, eh? That that shows me, right? Yeah. That shows me for being a prejudiced jerk. But holy crap, you can't live on six grand a month. Oh, and plus my my income. No, we can. No, live. I know. But we what if live. what if you stayed home? I mean, can't you live on six thousand dollars a month? That's seventy two thousand dollars a year. We would have uh, where we're living. It looks. But she's freelancing. What does it matter where you live? Yeah, no, I understand. No, actually. Um, I'm I'm just shaking your tree sure, a little sure, here, sure, right? Sure. I mean, no, I'm, you know, you you can do whatever you want. I just I don't know if absolutely. you really you've you've got the stuff like physics, but it's not physics; it's choice, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Everything is choice. Um, can you live? I mean, can you live on six thousand dollars a month, or do you have some ridiculous hookers and gambling habit that that she's paying for, and that's about <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, no, I mean, we you know we bought our house. Um, we're living in a neighborhood that's great. We live close to my parents, which they support us a lot, and they actually help us a lot with the kids. Um, and I don't want to move, let's say, because if I have to move, I'll have to go further away from my folks, and that's going to cause, you know, obviously a little strain. I definitely want my kids to grow up near my parents. And actually, my in-laws are also not that far away either. So we're really trying to stay within the neighborhood. And also, you know, we're very comfortable with the way, you know, our, our lifestyle. We're very happy, very comfortable. Things are going great. Now the next thing is now I want to figure out the school part, and this is something I'm. Well, hang on, hang on. I mean, oh, okay. Sorry. So if you if you want to stay, first of all, can your parents homeschool? I don't know. Um, I it's never, a possibility, I never, right? Then, then absolutely. You know, my mom is again, actually just, a saint, yeah. and she could probably. She would do almost pretty much anything. Also, my dad, you know, they would do pretty much Actually, anything. if you're an atheist, don't send your children to a saint because <laughs> she'll like perform all these miracles uh, and the kids will like be like, whoa, uh, magic. She's a sorceress. <laughs> no, no. It's a saint. Sorceress is bad magic. This is good magic. 
Uh, this is God magic. <laughs> uh, so that's that's very tough for them. Uh, so they just you know maybe back off from that a little bit. Uh, what about um, what's your mortgage a month? My mortgage it's about with uh, maybe twenty twenty five hundred. Holy crap! You're living in a big place, or an expensive place, right? Um, I would say more. What's that? Eight eight nine hundred thousand? It's no. Actually, we got a decent deal, but the, then there's property taxes that come in, and then no, no. I asked for your mortgage. Oh, mortgage. Well, I'm I'm including. Well, the mortgage includes the the property taxes when they. So your mortgage is what, like twenty two? It's about 22? twenty plus about twenty twenty two hundred plus. You know, then we have means because we live in a, a housing community. So, um, so you what was six seven hundred thousand? I'm sorry, what was that? You're six seven hundred thousand. That's your place. No, it's cheaper. Five hundred thousand? No, it's cheaper. Do you put no money down? Like, what the hell are you doing with oh, your mortgage? I, I got, I got. No, actually, I got a pretty good deal. Low interest rates. Uh, I did put money down. It was about four, some four twenty-five. I'd say this was in two thousand twelve. Um, again, you know, I mean, they within the more okay, the mortgage itself without property taxes. I want to say it's about. I want to say about a thousand. Sorry, because when I'm when I'm calculating, sorry, when I'm calculating the mortgage, I always because I get the bank statement and I see the um, you know because they include the property tax. You know what's going to be included for the upcoming year. Comes to two thousand, so it's probably. I'm going to guess it's about a thousand, one thousand. Wait, so we've gone from twenty five hundred dollars no, to a right, thousand. Right. right, right. What? All right, let me let me. What st- are you no, doing? No, no, no. Let me start over. Let me start over. <laughs> oh my god! No, it's please 20- don't waste my time like no, this. It's no. precious. It's valuable. Oh, no, I know. I'm I know. mortal. I know. I know. It's twenty five hundred. I paid towards the house. There's maintenance fee. There's property uh, insur- the um, property taxes and the mortgage. Mortgage is about. I'm going to say about. Thousand twelve hundred plus. Then then there's property taxes, which is probably nine hundred dollars or so. Wait, nine hundred. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. A month. Okay. Nine hundred dollars a month. You're asking me. Taxes. You're asking me to go into my bank statements now. I got to look. No, no. I'm just. I'm just curious. All right. So it's about nine hundred dollars a month. That's ten. More than ten thousand yeah. dollars a year. Yeah. For a four hundred thirty-five thousand dollar place. Uh, Where are you living? Uh, is, is it is it is it an apartment in the Vatican? Uh, <laughs> no, it's nothing cheap wow. around here. So. All right, and so then you've got, you're part of a homeowners association, so you pay these rates. Do you get like playgrounds and pools and stuff like that? Yeah, pools, maintenance. You know, they mow the lawn, what have you. They okay, and how much very, do you make? Uh, how much do you make in a month, just roughly? You know, Myself. Yeah. Minus. Uh, about uh, net about five thousand. Obviously, without you know, minus the taxes. Wait, you said net minus the taxes. I don't know what that. No, means. no, I'm saying net. I was just thinking out loud. So, so you, your take home is five thousand. Yeah, take home is five thousand. And your your wife's is six thousand gross. Yes. yes. What's that? Four, and, four and a half and net. So I would, yeah. So we take out. She's got deductions. You can write off a bunch of stuff because she works from home, right? Um. Yeah, but it's been right. really rough of all these deductions. Actually, we got to talk to the accountant and figure out a whole new system. Okay, so you're making some over six figures, right? Yes. I'm not saying it's all like money in your pocket, but no. that's sort of what's what's swirling around, right? Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Right. And you can't afford uh, any kind of private school, is that right? They're really expensive. I mean, it's like sending them to college down here. Okay, so what are we talking? Two grand a month? Probably. Right. Right. Do you get any deductions for sending kids to private school? Uh, no, you don't. 
you sound very certain of that. You've looked into it? I am more than positive because I've been trying to deduct uh, taxes for their summer camps or even after school care, and it's really nothing. Right. Okay. Okay. So that's not something that's uh, on the uh, on the table like you would send your kids to to some sort of private school. It is if we really like I said if we could really afford it and think that without really hurting I would say our lifestyles and you know again the kids are enjoying it. We, wait, 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 what do you mean without hurting your lifestyles? I'm, well, I don't quite, and he said like I don't quite understand that. I mean, if I can have additional expenses to the benefit of my children and shield them right. from government propaganda, I'd like to do that, but not if it means any no, change to my lifestyle. Right? Yeah, that was, no, that's fair. That's I, I, I do want to lose weight, but I don't want to change my diet or exercise regime in any conceivable way. It's like, yeah, well, yeah. then you don't really want to lose weight, do you? Um, no, no, and you're absolutely right. And um, again, these are things I'm thinking through now. This has been uh, this whole experience with realizing this, the government schools is a really new thing to me. And oh, yeah. It's, it's, and I'm, again, I'm just shaking your tree. No, I'm, I'm not saying do this or do that. You understand, right? I'm just... You know, I like it when people do that to me, like, uh, well, have you thought of this? And it's like, nope. <laughs> and so let me just jump in for again. a second here, because sure. you mentioned where you live, which I'll snip out in the final show. But sure. in the general area where you live, there's a Montessori yeah. high school with a tuition for the entire year of forty one hundred dollars. That's forty one hundred dollars. So not two grand per month. Actually, actually, tell me which one that is. I'll, I'll However, send you the link they, to it no, after but if fact. you send two kids there. They will break up one and sell them for parts. So <laughs> it is, uh, it's a challenge. Actually, one of my kids started at Montessori, and and yeah, you know, actually, it was pretty. It was a good experience. But that Montessori actually was ended up being like a, about twelve hundred a month. They we started at nine hundred, and they started jacking up the price to twelve hundred dollars a month. So I couldn't even send my daughter there. Well, no, you could. It, it just you uh, at the time I the lifestyle. No, at that time I couldn't. You know, we didn't make that much money. It's you know, things have yeah, been good so for if, us. If your two kids are, if your two kids are rough, running sort of eight eight K a year, if this place is, right? Yeah. I mean oh, that's, that's what that's problem. six weeks of your wife's income. Oh, that's not a problem at all. Yeah. That's just again. Yeah, have yeah. a have a look and, and see. Um beca- and, and the reason I'm saying is that uh you know, you want to plan for the future, right? And and Absolutely. you want to plan for the future in so far as look, they're gonna get government propaganda in Montessori school, right? <laughs> they're not going to get, you know, freewheeling, uh, you know, it's not going to be like, well, here's the experiments of Spanish anarchism in the 1930s. Yeah, right? no, I mean, absolutely. They're going to get man and society or, or person and Borg or whatever the hell they call it these days. They're going to get all that stuff. Yeah. So, it, but, but, uh, if you stick with these beliefs, right, and, and they have a way of sticking to you, right, they're like fucking burrs sometimes. <laughs> Can't get them out of your hair. So if you, but if you stick with these beliefs, and this is what you're going to tell your children, uh, is is good and evil, right? Because this is not aesthetics, right? This isn't well. You should like this style of art over this style of art or whatever. I mean, what we're talking about here is good and evil. Yes. Uh, and when your kids get older, they're going to look at your beliefs and they're going to say, "Okay, so you you knowingly sent us, you know, like imagine if I send my kid to um, Catholic school, uh-huh. right?" And Catholicism is not in the same moral category as statism. Uh, I can live next to a Catholic. He can't take half my money at gunpoint, right? Right. So, but if I send my uh, child to, to a religious school uh, to take the child to church and send them to Sunday school or whatever, right? Then, and, and then I'm, you know, they find out that I'm a 
a strong atheist who believes that religion is founded upon abusive lies towards children, uh, going to get some questions, right? Sure. And how are you going to answer those questions? Like, Dad, didn't you, you say the state is immoral, but you send us to a state institution yep. to be educated? No, you're, that, that's absolutely true. And, and what you'll have to say is, I could have afforded it, but it would have meant adjusting my lifestyle. And I'm, you know, I'm willing to take bullets for a cause, but man, no, <laughs> I've got a lifestyle. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's, it's a living that, you know, everyone's enjoying, the kids are liking, and yes, and you're absolutely right, and this is why this, things have been turning, I would say, the past months, you know, while I was listening to you, actually, I've been traveling quite a bit, unfortunately, and I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, I'm like, man, gears are turning in my head, I'm like, man, I really need to start rethinking a lot of things, and, um, so you're absolutely right. You know, I've been trying to figure this out. Like, how could we homeschool if we could? I have no idea. Yeah, you know, I just know the term homeschool. I know very little about. Um, and I've been wanting to try and figure it out. I know there are some associations, but I have no idea how it works. I'd love to try and figure this out. Or either, private, again, most private schools that I know around, that you know, I went to a private school and I know it wasn't it wasn't easy on my parents either. So wait a second here. Wait a second. But you, you, you wouldn't like. Wait, 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 <laughs> sir. Hang on. Why? Why am I stopping you here? Huh? Why? Why am I stopping here? Oh, that my parents sent me to private school, and it was more for yeah. it was um, a religious one. And that's not uh, the point. No, that's no, that's not, not the point. point. And it, the biggest point was for them to send me was for that reason. Um, Which reason? Oh, for the religious part. For the Christian values, which you know, in the end, so of, they had values yes, that yeah. were going to be uh, negatively affected by a government school. But it took them some time to be able to afford it, you know, especially at that time. And I went there, I would say around fifth grade, and that's what I'm looking to do to figure things out now, so I could set, start sending my kids to either private school or to homeschool. Again, gears are turning. Got to figure this all out. And go forward with that. Look, and, and the, the basic reality, as you know, is that causes don't advance without sacrifice. Yeah. Right? They don't. And uh, I, I will argue that it is, it is a not a sacrifice to keep your kids away from government school. In fact, I would argue it's quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. That you may say, you're going to save some coin in the here and now, but when they get to be teenagers, you know, the, the most important coin any parent has is moral authority. Yes. Moral authority. Oh, man, you lose that and, <laughs> you know, the center cannot hold. Things fall apart. She's breaking up, Captain. And, uh, it, you know, moral authority is, is key. And, I, you know, to me, I'd rather live under a bridge and have moral authority than, you know, bathe in liquid gold and not. Right. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, with regards to, to my daughter and, of course, my relationships uh, as a whole. Now, moral authority doesn't mean I'm right and you're wrong. It just means that you have the, the gravitas of living by your values. Mm -hmm. And uh, you, you really can't expect society to change if you're not willing to make some sacrifices, right? No, absolutely. I mean, we want, uh, you know, we want uh, no government welfare state because, you know, it's immoral and destructive to the yes. poor and so on. But we, we certainly understand that it's pretty it's a, it's a transition let's say you know that people are going to have to make significant transitions 
to adjust to that. Now, of course, you know, will it take years? No. Will it take months? No. It probably would take, I don't know, a month or two. To, uh, it was like six months or 12 months. And people would start to organize and sort things out. And the community would spring back to life. And people would get to know their neighbors. And they'd support each other. I mean, all that stuff would happen pretty quick. Human beings are nothing if not adaptable. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's, it struck me, you know, when I was <clears throat> mulling over quitting my uh, software career, my executive career, my entrepreneurial career in the software industry, which, you know, has some money attached to it or had <laughs> some money attached to it for me. Um, you know, I was, I was offered a contract for $150,000 a year for like three days work uh, a, a, a week. And, uh, you know, it's tempting stuff. <laughs> Wasn't quite that much money in podcasting. <laughs> Uh, and still isn't, but, um, it sort of struck me that, you know, I was suggesting a society wherein people are going to have to make a lot of uh, short-term sacrifices for the sake of a long-term advantage. Yes. And could I really say, well, you see, the poor people should do without the welfare state, but I can't possibly do without massive amounts of money flowing into my bank account. Like it just, it just seemed very much, uh, you know, excuse me, Mr. Poor Person, your sad and tragic and starving visage is fogging up my monocle, uh, so please remove yourself from my sight. It just didn't seem quite right. And so I wanted to be have content within my own mind that sacrifices are, are worth it, that uh, short-term losses for the sake of long-term gains, not in this case in terms of money, but in terms of uh, helping the world doing right by the future and so on, paying it forward from the Enlightenment or from the Socratics onwards. You know, I think I can say, yeah, make the sacrifice, people. <laughs> now, I mean, because I did. Took, you know, monstrous pay cut and, and uh, all that stability and security and 15 years accumulated ex- experience in an industry and all that and just, you know, set fire to it for the sake of uh, seeing the glory of my logo reflected on low-lying clouds. And, uh, you know, you are, if you continue down this road, and I certainly hope that you will, but if you continue down this road, you are going to be in the position of saying to society as a whole, yeah, you guys are going to have to make some sacrifices. You know, yeah. can you stand up in front of uh, the uh, pensioners in, uh, in Greece and say, uh, first of all, switch to Bitcoin. Secondly, <laughs> can you say, yeah, there's going to be a rough transition here. You know, that's what happens when you live beyond your means. There's going to be a rough transition here. And, you know, you can't say that from the hood of a Mercedes-Benz, right? Right. So, you know, you want the society to make sacrifices for the sake of virtue. And you, I think, are working on the premise that uh, and it's not like government schools are evil and everyone's evil in it. Or, I mean, I'm sort of talking anything like that. I mean, that's uh, a sort of complicated question. But uh, as far as shielding your children from immorality... Um, that's not that hard because children have a natural aversion to immorality. Uh, they've done moral experiments on babies as young as three months old. And like they do these experiments where there's like one puppet is trying to open a box and another puppet comes and tries to help, helps the, the one puppet. Like there's a bunny and then a frog mm-hmm. comes along and helps the bunny open the box. And children prefer playing with that toy, as opposed to, you know, there's a, a bunny trying to open a box and a dog keeps jumping down on the box and closing it. Like, at three months old, they prefer playing with the helpful toy than with the mean toy. And they actually have to be rewarded with eight graham crackers 
to <laughs> to begin to shift this, which is why democracy doesn't work. <laughs> but uh, you know, so so children are, are naturally, instinctually aversive to destructive or negative behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, we are tribal animals, and uh, we grew up in a society of significant, uh, as you say, with your parents, right, cross generational uh, uh, vertical and horizontal altruism, helping each other out, and so on. Yes. And so your kids are going to be fine being exposed to good and evil. What, what they're going to have trouble with is the evil that is portrayed as the good. And that's what government schools are all about. And I think that's where the greatest chance of infection uh, may, may lie. Plus, of course, they're going to be with, uh, well, they're going to be uh, raised with the muggles, right? I mean, they're going to be raised yeah. with a bunch of kids who... Uh, um, don't ha- know their ass from a hole in the ground when it comes to any kind of consistency or virtue or integrity in general, right? I mean, and it's not like, again, I'm not sort of saying, well, all the kids are great in private school and all the kids are crap in government schools or anything like that. But I think there's a little bit more of the lower common denominator in government schools, which they're going to have to really uh, count out in, count out to, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. No, absolutely. No, and I completely agree with you. I mean, I've, I learned a lot actually this year. I mean, my son was, just went through third grade and this is what I really started seeing things that I wasn't really happy about, even had a discussion with the principal, et cetera. But um, a lot of things started, I started having, getting my eyes open towards, holy crap, what are they learning there? Um, even just the math itself. I mean, here, down here in Florida, we have Common Core, and I'm, I am just shocked on how they just teach addition, multiplication, and I mean, heck, I don't even know how to do half the crap that they're trying to teach the kids. It's nothing yeah, I've, I've heard about me. the Common Core, sorry to interrupt, but I've oh, heard sorry. about the Common Core, and I've heard there's a lot of rebellion uh, against it. Yeah. Um, do you know what the purpose, I think they're trying to it's, teach things more conceptually, or I mean, you, you've got more exposure to it, and I've only read a little bit on it. Uh, what's, what's the deal with the Common Core for you? Well, I think in the end it's all about money because that's what that's what it's all about. You know, when I was approaching the principal, because what happens is, I'm sorry, no, actually, let me stick with Common Core because there's other issues that I had with the principal with the type of testing that they do, but that does follow Common Core, which is called here. They, it was called Common Core, but they switched the name because you know no one liked Common Core, so they called hey, let's call it Florida Standard Assessment, and um, pretty much at least for the math part, you know. I'll give you a, an example. If they say, okay, add 8 plus 6, you know, normally we add 8 plus 6 and you know the answer. Here they're like, okay, 8 plus 6. Now break down 8 into two fours and 6. So add 6 plus 4 plus 4. And I'm trying to show my kids. I'm like, you don't need to do this. This 8 plus 6 is 14, you know. Um, and that's just a basic I mean, do, do they not know that children have fingers? Yes. I mean, I, that's the point. <laughs> And, and toes, if needed. No, and, and there's just some things, you know, again, third grade, thank God, passed. And um, unfortunately, my, you know, I'm thinking about my daughter now entering also into first grade because she just went through kindergarten. Um, thank God she actually had a really good teacher. Um, and I was paying, the funny thing is I, I was paying close attention, especially more towards the end of the year. Again, once I started getting onto your podcast and your show, I started to like, you know, had the antennas up, started to look. Look out for whatever little signs or anything. Maybe I was a little bit too paranoid. Uh, but Common Core, the idea is, yeah, it's to conceptualize, but I think it's just a bunch of, you know, excuse the word, malarkey. That's what we say down here. Um, in the end, it's really about money 
for the school districts, for the principals. So they just created this thing called Common Core. Again, I don't really understand it. And um, if they don't teach the Common Core, then, then they don't get the money. So to me, I don't even see, I mean, if you have to kind of flash a dollar in front of the school, say, hey, take this and teach this, and they're take, they're, all they care is about the dollar, then I, I already am skeptical of what they are teaching if it takes a bribe. Yeah, and the thing with governments, too, is that you never hear, well, the way we've been doing it for the past 40 years was terrible. No, like, no. And so we need to reinvent this whole thing because it sucked yeah, before. Absolutely. I mean, you never hear that. It's all like, well, we're tweaking it, we're, you know, but there's never any admission of fault before. And uh, I assume that the educational industry just needs perpetual revolution to keep making money because, you know, if the same shit works this year that worked last year, you don't get new consultancy fees. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Mike, you had uh, you picked something up on Common Core? Yeah, I just found a top 10 list from FreedomWorks about the problems with Common Core. Yeah. Go for it. Just a couple little bullet points. The ultimate goal of Common Core is... If- to have every school district follow the same national standards, which means yeah. parents will not have a say in their child's education. Teachers don't have much control over their classroom. They have to just teach these standards and ultimately mm-hmm. teach towards a test. Common Core yeah. also has a hefty price tag, which will, of course, be paid by taxpayers in the state. Washington State Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction estimates that the Common Core will cost the state $300 million dollars. California Department of Education estimates it will cost $759 million to implement these national standards that haven't been linked in any way, shape, or form to actual improved education for the children. Mm -hmm. So we're spending a whole lot of money to teach towards a test that hasn't been demonstrated to actually improve actual education. It's a one-size-fits-all education policy that assumes all students learn exactly the same way, which anyone should know, certainly not the case. And, um, and there's a lot of yep. criticism about the whole teach to the test phenomenon. And that is, I'm you know, sorry, that's absolutely true. And that was the issue I had with the principal. Um, they called some of the parents like, hey, you know, look what we're going to look at the new testing. So we went there for one hour and after 60 some PowerPoint slides, all they did was talk about the test. And I asked the principal at the end, I'm like, you, because they said, oh, don't worry, we're not going to teach to the test. And I asked the principal at the end, I'm like, how can you tell me that after I spent one hour here in my life, 60 slides of the test, and you're telling me you're not going to teach my kid to the test? And she looked at me like I was, you know, I had horns. I'm like, and she's like, yeah, but we have to assess them. I'm like, are you serious? I mean, this is how we're going to assess our kids is teaching them towards a test just to pass a test so you could get pretty much more money. Of course, she wasn't too happy with me. But what happens, and this, this happened in Atlanta. Like a whole bunch of teachers and administrators went to jail, or at least are threatened with jail, recently because they basically were just lying and, and fixing all of the students' yep. test results, right? Because Atlanta was supposed to be this economic miracle. It's called an eraser, right? And a, a pencil that you can put the right answers in. It's an economic miracle. The teachers can adjust. So, so they got a whole bunch of money by doing very well on these common... I don't think, know if they were common core tests or common tests or whatever... And things got pretty savage. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, people were really threatened who found out about this inside the teaching administration. And I mean, significantly, it was dangerous times for anybody who wanted to speak up about this stuff. 
And uh, eventually this was sort of caught and, and found out. And uh, yeah, some teachers got like years and administrators got like years in jail for uh, not just the cheating, but um, it's, it's fraud, right? When you cheat and there's money involved, it's, it's fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And because they got huge amounts of money uh, for these uh, tests uh, that were good uh, and the tests weren't good, they just adjusted them. Uh, that was, of course, considered a fraud. So naturally, the taxpayers got all their money back. No, wait, that's not. Uh, <laughs> the taxpayers now get to pay for the incarceration and the court time and the, I assume, millions of dollars in legal fees it was to pursue all this stuff. And um, yeah, you know, strangely enough, when you pay people for good test results, they will often provide to you good test results. <laughs> Weird how that works. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a brutal system. And of course, it's ridiculous because... How on earth are you supposed to judge how good a school is when no one pays to go there? You know, I mean, uh, how, how do you judge which is the number one box office hit movie in any given weekend? Uh, I, do you have essays handed in? Do you? <laughs> I mean, do you? No, you just, well, okay, which one made the most money? Which one had the most attendance? That's how it works. You know, what's a hit album? Well, an album that gets bought a whole bunch of times. Of course, nobody buys albums anymore, but... But you know what I mean, right? So you, the market pr- produces all of these tests of success, but in socialism uh, or in this communist school system, there's no, there's no, there's no standard because nobody knows what's successful and what's not. So you just have to have these artificial standards, and they're really dumbed down because basically you want um, as objective a test as possible, which means as retarded a test as possible. Which means you've got like multiple choice crap. You've got mm-hmm. you know fill in the blank with a number crap. There's no essay questions because how the hell do you mark an essay question objectively, <laughs> right? I mean, you can always argue that stuff. And so the, the the conceptual thinking, communication, written and oral argumentation skills that I would argue are very essential for success in the modern economy are completely bypassed because they need to grind through as many stupid numbers as possible because there's no objective measure called a price. I mean, how, how do you know, how does society know whether the investment in education is worth it? No, nobody knows. Because the way that you know uh, whether an education investment is worth it is, you know, like you see these matchbooks. I don't know. They even have matchbooks anymore. But, you know, you can be a, a, a small engine repairman. You can be a cartoonist. You can be a dental technician assistant person head. And, and people will pay a certain amount of money to, to go and learn these things because it will give them a certain amount of money when they graduated. That's how you know whether it's worth the investment for each individual. But the investment in school or, or college or arts degrees, I mean, nobody, nobody knows. It's all nonsense. And this is why they're also terrified of any kind of volunteerism thing because then there's an objective metric called can you get people to give you money for your services? That's, <laughs> that's the way that, uh, that it works. So as far as the reality, um, like uh, I was talking to my, my daughter about this. And I said, you know, well, when should kids learn about death? She said, four. And I said, well, why? And she said, well, kind of understand it then, right? Because death is like, you know, for little kids, it's like sleep, right? Mm-hmm. So then you wake up yeah. <laughs> after a while, right? No, my Buddhist three-year-old, right? But um, so, you know, I, I think that she, she, she knows about war and, and she knows about, there's some things she doesn't know about. She doesn't know about torture um, and she doesn't know 
about sadism uh, and and so really the, the sort of dark triads of, of human personality structures and so on. Um, but yeah, she knows there are mean people in the world. She knows that uh, a lot of children get hit uh, and yelled at and uh, all of that. And when we see a dysfunctional person or a dysfunctional child, we'll uh, talk about the things that may have produced that while, of course, re- retaining uh, that the person still has a choice, right? I'd, influence and will is is always a uh, a big challenge, and and it's a, uh, a challenge that is continually being uh, explored by by science and and by philosophy. But um, uh, saying that there's influences, while also saying that um, people have a choice, right? You know, so when it comes to drugs. We refer to it as uh, you know, alcohol is dizzy juice and drugs are dizzy powders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's asked about it. And I, I said, uh, you know, because we had to talk about Rob Ford and uh, as a Canadian politician yeah. uh, who has some uh, uh, self-control issues when it comes to food and dizzy powder. But um, so, you know, I said, well, you know, when, when, when people are growing up, if they're really frightened or, or hurt by their parents or, or preachers or teachers or whoever a lot, or their peers, the siblings, right? 50% of a sibling relationships are considered to be abusive even by mainstream definitions. So um, their brains get less good at being happy. Yeah. And they, they don't know that they're in constant pain until they take something that makes them feel normal. And then what makes them feel normal makes their brains even less good at feeling happy. And so they get stuck in the cycle and all that. But, um, but I said enough people know about bad childhoods and their effect on a person. And enough people know about that, that no one can say, well, you know, gosh, I had no idea that, uh, I had a bad childhood and that drug use had something to do with that. Uh, and no one has like, somebody doesn't sort of take heroin and say, well, I, I had no idea that it was bad for your health or addictive or would cause any problems in my life. You know, train spotting <laughs> been out for a while. And I'm sorry. And, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt because this is actually a, actually a, probably the biggest issue because um, you know unfortunately my brother did die of an overdose. So when it comes to drugs, it's a lot harder for me to talk. Your brother died of an overdose. He died of an overdose. Um, this Good was, God, Serge, I'm so yeah. sorry. No, and it's no, it's okay. It's it's not. You know, no. I mean, I you know, I appreciate um, saying sorry, but um, so it came up with my son, obviously since he's the eldest. I haven't spoken to my daughter about this yet, and that's why this kind of question came up because I did talk to him about it because you know he sees a picture of a of a guy you know in our house, and you know he's like, "Who's that?" And he was about he's nine now. I'd say he was about five or six, so he's around the same age as my daughter right now. And I had to kind of explain to him what happened. Um, you know, this he obviously passed. How long? Ago, sorry to interrupt. How long ago did your brother die? It was thirteen years ago. Um, he. Wow. He unfortunately, you know, you know, I know you brought the statistics of, you know, bad childhood. I don't know, at least within our family, you know, I, I actually never touched a drug in my, in my life at all. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm in a rock band. I'm a creative guy. Never touched the drug uh, at, at all. Um, perhaps because you're, you're the Brian May of the band, right? I, I think Freddie, I am Brian. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie would snort stuff that fell oh, out exactly. of a lint dryer. But uh, Brian May never apparently touched drugs. Uh, exactly. I don't think he even drank much. If only I was as good as he was. But um, so, you know, it was something that, you know, I grew up with seeing, you know, the the, the problems that caused the family. Um, again, I, 
I would hate to say that it had anything to do with my parents. I don't think so. You know, I, I don't know why he chose it, uh, why he decided to start taking. I know it started out with glue in seventh grade. I remember he told me that when he was in seventh grade, he actually told me he's like, it started with glue and then went on from pot for many years. And he went to the hard stuff. I mean, the extreme hard stuff. Then he got off. I think glue, glue is pretty hard, isn't it? I mean, it's in terms of its effect. Yeah. No. And I think that's where it started. I think, you know, I, you know, my mom would tell me that, you know, he was, especially growing up, you know, he was very, he was an introvert and, you know, very shy. And I don't know if it was a peer pressure thing. And sure enough, he started drugs and it was at a private school at another private school. And, um, so for many years, he abused lots of drugs and, you know, I saw my parents struggle, do their best, got off of it. Um, he actually, my father's from Rome, so, and my mom's Swiss. I'm actually Swiss, you know, we were actually born in Switzerland. And um, he said, you know what, send me to Rome, you know, so I could get away from this lifestyle. So he, he went there for many years. He started to clean up and unfortunately, one day he relapsed and... You know, unfortunately, he did pass. And and was it so shortly after his relapse? It was, yeah. And I mean, there's... Because I mean, I think a lot of people who are clean for a while, they don't realize how susceptible they are to their old dosage when they haven't used yeah. it for a while. Yeah, and I think that's what, that's what happened. I mean, if there was one, any, let's say, silver lining is... Um, because this happened right after my marriage to my wife and he actually came down you know we obviously had a little bit of falling apart you know it was tough i mean it was it was you know tough to, to be in the house oh, addiction is a, it's it, a devil it, in the house it's, right it's i mean it's just brutal. it's it, it's horrible and so you know we had a falling apart you know i didn't talk to him for some years or it was very you know it's I was angry. I'd be honest. I was just flat out angry. But sure enough, you know, came down for the wedding and we really talked it out and has, you know, just kind of just said, listen, I love you. You know, we hugged, you know, I saw that he was getting clean, you know, he had plans in his life, you know, and, you know, everything was great. You know, you know, he was there at the wedding. We had a fantastic time. Then he went back to Rome. And unfortunately, you know, he again, what was he doing in Rome? Just out of curiosity, really, he was trying to get his life back together. No, but what was, did he have a job? No, I mean, no, he, you know, and this is sometimes I disagree with my parents and of course I didn't have kids at the time and I'll be honest, I have no idea what I would do. I really, and this is, this is the hard, this is the hard thing, you know, trying to teach my kids about this because I do have a little bit of, um, I guess you'd say paranoia that they would touch, you know, a substance that they really don't need to, you know, I mean, I never touched a drug and, you know, you know minus that, that part of my life, you know, I've had a... Are you an older brother? Sorry, was it an older He was brother? an older brother. So you saw a little bit of, uh, I mean... I saw quite a when bit. You, when you might f face the same crossroads, you saw the effects. Right. And I'm not saying you, you, you obviously still had a choice. I'm not saying it was causal, but um, oh, I, I, you, I you I did see what I could do, right? Yeah, and I knew I had a choice. I mean, I would, you know, when I was younger, sometimes I would hang out with him. You know, he would take out a joint he never offered in fact he even told me don't even do this crap and i didn't and i was never curious you know i had friends i would you know smoke for me i just never needed i like i don't know i looked at it i was like eh, you know again seeing the destructiveness and also i never had a curiosity for it i was like and um do you know if anything difficult happened to your a brother as a child that i don't know and again you know i just 
I, I had no idea it was a peer pre- it was a peer pressure you know I mean I I could only base at least my childhood you know with my parents because you know I, I remember you were talking about you know a lot of things come from you know, parents abuse or you know and it's really us in Miami because the rest of the family lives in Europe they live in Switzerland and Italy so there's no other family members and you know my experience with my parents have been great has been great um so I just don't know. I, I'll be honest. I really have no idea. Um, uh, and I'm and every once in a while I would like to talk to my mom about it, but it's I know it it brings a lot of heartache. So I try, and it's something I think I should, and I yeah, I really should talk to her about it and see what happened more for the sake for my son and my daughter, um, to see if what were the reasons if they knew or you know. For them, it was difficult, you know, coming to this country. Uh, my father sometimes regretted ever moving here because of that. Um, again, I, I wish I knew the answer. I'm kind of just skating around. He went to, sorry, he went to the same religious school, Catholic no, school? I no, no, he went to different ones. I went to a Christian school considered uh, like Presbyterian. He went to uh, a, another private school. He actually bounced around. He, you know, he was a. Wait, wait. Sorry. This. Why? Why did you guys go to different schools? Well, I was actually in public school first, and that was kind of like my point before. Like I was at a public school before. Again, this was nineteen eighties, and um, my parents sent. Actually, my brother to first to the to, to the Christian school that I went to, and I think he got kicked out. And was this before he had started using drugs? Yes. And why was he kicked out? I don't know. What was it before? I'll be honest. Right now, my, I don't want... You know what? I, but roughly. I mean, he wasn't like five years into it, right? No, 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 no. He, it was kind of new because um, he, he was going to public school. And then you know, my parents got the money, sent him... So he, he had behavioral disorders. And look, he had certain I'm, not trying, disorders. To, I'm not trying to say that... I'm not trying to say that getting kicked out of school means you're automatically like crazy or anything like that, but he had um, uh, a challenge subjugating himself to the social standards around him. Is I that- think so. I, that's my gut instinct. Um, that's my feeling. You know, just also... But wait, wait. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. It's not, it's not... I mean, this isn't someone you saw in a movie once you grew up with this guy. No, no, no. What's, what was the age gap? Five. Five years. Five years. So five years older. So did he... Did, what was his relationship like with your parents? Well, obviously it was tough. You know, my parents did everything they could. You know, um, like I said, there's some things I disagreed with them, you know, that they would still provide, you know, again, at the time, you know, they would provide him a, a place to live to give him money, you know, without him really working. And I thought it was, you know, kind of crazy at the time. You know, I, it was. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, as far as I'm no but, expert on it, but as far as I understand it, you don't want to be. If no. you provide money, uh, then you, you remove the benefits of sobriety, yeah. which is that you've got to get up and get a job and go to work. And, and no. so you've got stuff to lose and you also take structure out of people's lives. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't like having to have so many jobs and work so hard when I was a kid, yeah. but it sure gave me a lot of discipline and a lot of structure that I wasn't getting at home or even particularly in school. Like you just, you know, sorry, it's, you know, six o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, you got to get up and do your paper route. And it's, uh, you know, you got to go to the bookstore and you got to do all the crap that, that needs yeah. to be done there. And, 
You know, sorry, your friends are going out, but it's eight o'clock at night. You've got to go clean all the doctor's offices in the mall because that's your job. Yeah. And it gives you a certain sense of uh, discipline and structure that mm -hmm. uh, if, you know, people are just shoveling money at you, I, I, that's a callous way of putting it, and you know what I mean. No. No, I, if they're I, giving I, you money without consequences, it, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't signal trust yeah. in your capacity to, um, to get a life that's structured. Yeah. I think, you know, I honestly think my parents were lost, and they weren't sure what to do, and obviously the last thing they wanted him oh, hang to on, be hang is on. this. Hang on, hang on. Yeah. But, but dealing with mm -hmm. addiction is not an unknown voodoo science. Right. I don't think that there's anyone who says it's a great idea to give addicts money. Like I, I, when you say they didn't like they were lost, it's not like this is, you know, I, again, I'm no expert, but yeah. I've watched a couple of Dr. Phil's and this is not uh, unknown stuff. It's not completely obtuse about things that you can do when you're dealing with an addict. No, I know. And obviously this is way before Dr. Phil and you know, I don't want to make excuses for my parents. I don't know what went on through the, you know, in their heads. Um, so I, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, this was probably, you know, just what they're probably thinking. I'm, this is a complete guess. I couldn't even, you know, it's not even fair for me to even discuss why they did what they did. You know, all I knew, at least for me, is I thought what they were doing was crazy and I didn't agree with it. And what would, did you have conversations with them about that at the time? Yeah, I have. I did. And and did you, you say know, like this is this is yeah like not a good way to handle it. This is going to end badly. Yeah, you know, even though I was like a little kid, or I mean a teenager, because obviously I grew up witnessing all this stuff. Um, you know, they. I just remember my mom just kind of looking despair, and then that's one of the few memories that you know I try to block out. Unfortunately, a lot of these memories is that. For her, she, you know, it was tough, you know, and I don't think she even really gave me a good answer, you know, thinking about it. Um, I, all I remember is like, you know, that they said we're doing our best and that's all, you know. I, well, I, th I think for the sake of your kids, Serge, yeah. I think uh, you got to exhume these bodies. I yeah. think you got to figure this, uh, this stuff out. Yeah, and that was kind of so, my... I mean, this, this is, a, like, sorry to interrupt. I oh, mean, sorry. this is, as you know, and I, I can only imagine. Yeah. But this is about as bad a situation as could happen to a family where you have, you know, a decade or more of drug addiction and relapse and, yeah. and so on, and non-functioning, followed by a death. Yes. Uh, I mean, that's, that's about as bad as it can be in a family um, because it doesn't even have the dignity of an illness. And, uh, I mean, and I, that's a lot of family history to unearth and, uh, I it think is. it would be, uh, it would be well worth doing it. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to cause pain to anyone, but, oh, no. uh, it seems, it seems important to me to, to try and figure some of this stuff out. No, and, and that was, because these are the people that got a big influence on your kids, right? Yeah. And, you know, and I, I kind of see the, how they are with my kids. It's, how would you put it? I mean, it's not a substitute, but you could just see both my parents. I mean, I never seen them so loving, you know, I mean, they were great with me. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I just see this. It's a whole different level of love that I ever, that I've never seen. Um, perhaps it's the idea of the grandkids, but I also, I, I just have a sense that it has to do with the loss of my brother. Um, and 
kind of going back a little bit and is I promised my kids, you know, also to myself that, you know, I want them to be honest with me and I won't, I want them to be open with me. Cause I think a little bit could have been, you know, the old time schooling, you know, there's certain things you don't talk about, you know, when maybe when things started with him, I want my kids to be flat out honest, like no matter what they're going through, I want them to come to me and I would not. And I told him like, listen, I'm not going to judge you. If you're doing something bad, we'll talk about it, discuss it and go from there. But I want them to come to me. And that's why I promised them that I would never get angry at them ever for, you know, doing something, you know, doing something bad, so to speak, whether it's drugs or not. And that's where I think the question came from, this idea of like, now I have this family history. How do I talk to them about this? And that's kind of like, well, first of all, it's, it's a little difficult to promise your future emotional state. Uh, I know. I, right. I mean, you can't promise to never get angry. I mean, <laughs> that's an autonomous nervous system response, right? Um, but it's, it's but you can I'm promise you can for. promise that you'll handle it in a in a positive, right, uh, and constructive way. But uh, yeah, listen. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about history. Like I've been doing this show now for I don't know, uh, well, at least as far as sort of early writings and early podcasting go, for almost ten years. And I've been doing these call-in shows for probably seven or eight or maybe more. I can't remember. And I've talked to a lot of people about their family history. And uh, Serge, I'm telling you, I don't know a more foggy landscape than the one you've provided to me. And uh, that simply tells me that there's information that you need to have. Yes. And uh, that, that people have. And I know it's an incredibly painful thing yeah. to, uh, uh, to, to, to go back to... to I, you know, I imagine the worst times yeah. uh, in your family life, uh, but um, it is a great mystery. I mean, the, you're casting this net about like peer pressure, but peer pressure is a symptom of a lack of connection within the family, in my opinion. Again, I'm sure. certainly no expert. In my opinion, wh why are we susceptible to peers? Because we don't have uh, a strong enough connection, and. Uh, uh, exploring that, I think, is uh, important. Now, whether you're going to get facts or not, I don't know. Whether it's just too painful for your parents to talk about at the moment, I don't know. Whether they want to just leave it in the past and, and move on with their lives, I don't know. Sure. But, uh, I mean, it was your brother. And things went haywire in a way that is unbelievably heartbreaking. And it's like, it's a slow heartbreak because oh. it goes on and on and on. And then he dies. And that's not like the end of the chapter, right? No. That That just goes on and on and on, too. So... Uh, I'm incredibly sorry for, for that um, experience for you. I mean, this dominates your childhood, yes. I can imagine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, uh, yeah, these are tough, tough questions. And right now, my concern is that because you don't have any real answers, you're doing this religious thing. Like, I don't know where the universe came from. God made it. Well, I don't know what happened with my brother. My parents did the best they could at everything they could. must have been peer pressure, right? Sure. You, you have to say, I don't know what happened. Yeah. But don't make up answers that you don't have evidence for. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And uh, that's my, my, my concern is that we, we have, when we have, particularly when we have these like staggering heartbreaks in our life, we, we, we want to find a cause, we want to find a reason, we want to, mm -hmm. no, I, I've, I've thought about this countless times with regards to my own family. What happened if I, if I could... Uh, there was a magazine that used to be around called Omni, which was kind of cool. Like it had zero three two one or something like that as as the uh, on its side, mm -hmm. and it was a science fiction magazine. 
And uh, I remember one story about an ant farm that if anyone could ever find and send to me, I'd love to read again. But another story was kind of prescient in a way in that there were these uh, drones, these tiny little mosquito-like drones that you could, uh, you could buy and they would fly around and record everything. And I remember at one point, one of them got stuck in a cupboard because someone forgot about it. They closed the closet door and the drone got stuck in there for like three months and <laughs> the footage was all sort of useless. But you could get these tiny drones to follow you around and film everything. And man, I mean, first of all, I think if we could just get one of those for someone's entire life and then pour over it in great detail and see them from like conception onwards and uh, it would be fascinating. But uh, I've thought about, you know, what is it that I can't see down the tunnel of time that is closed by the avoidance of others? You know, what, what do I not see about my mother's childhood? What do I not see about my father or my brother's childhood or, or things that happened early? And I wonder if... If all hostility would melt away if we knew enough history, you know, if, if we understood enough about our origins and the origins of those who came before us, mm-hmm. would we then, would, would everything make sense? Would everything that people do make sense if only we knew enough? of their history. And there's so much history that is obscured to us. Uh, it's, not, it's not like a ministry of truth that is, is suppressing and shooting dissidents or anything like that. I mean, maybe it is sometimes, but it is that uh, either people don't remember or the remembering is so painful for them that it's, all, it's exactly the same as not remembering. But, you know, if I could follow my mother's like if I had a little video drone that I could send back in time to get me footage of my mother's time during the war, would everything that happened afterwards make sense? Right. And uh, that's why I think exhuming a history is, is important. I, you know, my mother was, was violent and dangerous and so on, but I wonder if there were not incidents in her history that if I knew them, if I knew about them, and she's told me stories of, of the war um, that, that she suffered under, a, a Russian commander driving through the village where she was being kept uh, with other children and so on, and her stepping out in front of the tank to uh, tell him that uh, they were peaceful and there were no soldiers, and this is what she uh, did, and her Tiananmen Square moments, I mean, and I, I don't disbelieve her at all. I mean, I think that these things happened. Uh, she's not uh, uh, not that way inclined to just make these things up. But I wonder what else uh, happened. Uh, she tells a story of uh, having to leave Dresden because the bombers were finally coming. There's a thousand plane bombing road over Dresden, which had been formally spared because of art treasures and civilian population and so on. And you know, this Jupiter complex of thunder from the sky and this unbelievable rage that was still playing out across Europe. Yeah. Thousand plane bombing raid coma created a firestorm that sucked air into the city to feed the unbelievable fire. And uh, her mother was left behind. I think she was working uh, at uh, some office and had to stay. Uh, and uh, when they went back to the house uh, that my grandmother was staying in, the only thing that they could ever find was the clasp from her purse. The, the clasp that closed her purse. That's the only thing they could find. Uh, and they never found her. They never found anything else. Just that one little clasp of her purse. 
And so I know a number of the stories from my mother's uh, childhood in, in the Second World War, but I don't think I know enough to explain what came afterwards. And I think that if I did know enough, and this is part of my hunger to <laughs> root around in people's histories and, and my hunger to, to, to bring light to the darkness from which choices seem to spring fully formed, which they're not. There's an evolution to choice and consequence and possibility that I wonder if, uh, if we could find out enough about the past if everything that people did would make sense. Now, again, that's very causal and that's very deterministic. Like, well, if I knew this and then, then, then my mother's decisions or other people's decisions who were uh, you know, challenging or difficult or, or abusive, then those people's decisions would make sense. And uh, I think a lot of us are on the trail of this unlocking the code of history that breaks the enigmas of the present. And, uh, you know, people who do brain scans are doing it, part of the Gene Wars stuff. I just uh, recorded part two, which is uh, going out on Monday. And uh, there is this desire to delve, like, right down deep into the spinal fluid of history and say, well, you know, I need to see these dominoes. And these dominoes don't mean that nobody had any choice. But it helps understand... The, the forces that shape the choices that are made. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, almost, almost perfectly clear to me that if someone like my mother had grown up in a, like my daughter, right? You know, my, my daughter is like the, the negative of my mother, right? I mean, I'm trying to give to my daughter the childhood my mother had the opposite of. That's that's the only thing that I could learn from that kind of history is the capacity to provide the opposite, right? If you see something that dismembers someone, then you steer yourself in the opposite direction. And uh, I have some sense of the childhood that my mother had, and I am striving with all of my might to provide the opposite. This is the only thing that you can learn from this sort of stuff, you know, hey, remember that guy who didn't buy health insurance, he got really sick and lost his house, is I'm going to buy health insurance. The only tribute you can pay to these disasters is to march resolutely in the opposite direction, looking back only to make sure you're heading still directly away from it, <laughs> right? That's, yeah. that's the best that you can do. And um, I, I absolutely know for sure that if I were my mother's father in the environment in which I'm raising my daughter, my mother would not have turned out the way that she did. Mm-hmm. Again, that doesn't mean there's no such thing as free will, but dear God, I mean, to say that there's no such thing, sorry, to say that there's still free will is not to say that there are not things that we would rather people had to choose between, right? Like that Sophie's choice, which of one of your children do you want to die? Well, she has free will, but her free will would be to never be in that situation where she had to make that choice. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, my daughter is my tribute to the deep knowledge that I have of my mother's history, even though I don't know probably the triggering events, which she may not even know that produced who she was. I can get enough of a sense of what she was broken by to make sure to shield my daughter from all such negative influences. So I hope that helps. And I hope that, um, you can, uh, I think, I, I, my sense is, and I, look, I don't want to say, this may be my particular quest. I don't want to sort of impose it upon no. you. But I think this kind of family disaster is, you know. And I think that's the biggest question, is like, how do I go about that, you know, taking 
taking something like this and talk to my kids about it. Like, what is the age appropriate? Is it when they ask? You know, for example, they see the picture of my brother, and you know, my you know, my son has already asked me about it. And I spoke to him about it. You know, obviously, in terms, I think that he understood, but. Is there anything more I need to tell him? Let's say I do talk to my mom. I found out more information. How much of that information do I pass or do I talk to them about? You know, that's. Oh, I, I think proactive is best. I think proactive is best because children sense everything. Right? Children sense everything. And you want to be proactive mm-hmm. because otherwise it looks like you're hiding something. Right. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Now, um, you know, obviously you, you don't have to. <laughs> you know, show them what a junkie's body looks like in an alley or anything. I mean, I understand there's still appropriate levels of, of sharing. Yes. Uh, but um, I would say that, uh, you know, why, why is it important? Well, uh, it's important because you have uh, concerns and fears, obviously, about the future with regards to your children. I mean, oh, yeah. the, degree to which to which, the degree to which there may be a genetic susceptibility to particular types of addictions, I don't know. I mean, that's still sure. a question that's... As far as I understand, it's still very much in, up in the air, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I share my family history with my daughter because it's interesting, because it's, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it, everybody's with, with us, right? E- even the dead, everyone is with us. Everyone's in the same house all, all the way back. You know, my family came over with William the Conqueror in 1066, Battle of Hastings, um, well, all of those dead knights are still with us because they created uh, an, an aristocracy that my family was part of for more than a thousand years. And uh, less than a thousand years, to be, to be fair. But um, the, the, so, so the, the, the knights who fought in that battle, who were granted the land that my family managed for centuries, well, they're all with me because they created a particular environment that had me land where I am. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody, nobody dies <laughs> right? in, in, in any fundamental way in terms of their effects on the future. Um, maybe kids raised by wolves that no one ever meets. So I don't know. But, but your brother is still in the house. Right? Oh, he is absolutely. I mean, he's, he's in my thoughts almost every day. And I don't, I don't doubt that. Yeah. I don't doubt that. And so your, your children should know everything about you at, in an age-appropriate context. And right. in this situation, since your brother is part of you, uh, they need to know uh, about, about that. And um, I think being proactive is, is important. Okay. He's there. He's at the table anyway. You might as well acknowledge his existence, right? No, no, absolutely. I mean, like, my thing is, you know, I'm looking at it, what you just said. I think the proactive completely makes sense. A lot of times, you know, I wanted them to be curious and ask, and I'll be honest, like, well, this is, you know, this is your uncle, you know, and, and tell them the story. Obviously trying to find the right words and the correct words to use for them, but I was really kind of waiting you know, see, my daughter would ask one day, but I'm really kind of thinking like, all right, you know, maybe this is true. Maybe it's time to be a little bit more proactive than having It's honesty, questions. right? No, it is honesty. It's absolutely honesty. I, mean, it, I would never hide anything from them. They could ask me absolutely anything. 
Um, and I have no problem being flat out honest with them. I mean, as much as I'm asking them to be honest with me, I want to be as, you know, I want to be extremely honest with them. But the question is, you know, my original question was like, you know, do I bring it up or, you know, do I, you know, if they ask these questions, how hard do I hit them with, you know, you know, with the answers? I mean, there's all these. What answers do you have? And, and what do you mean by the answers? I mean, my About experience, mother it's, in it's, it's my experience, you know, and. You know, but if you look, I'm telling you, Serge, yeah. if you tell them like you're telling me, yeah. they're just going to get more confused. Okay. Right. So the real honesty is I don't know what happened. Oh, why? Right. Right. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why my parents didn't listen to my advice. I don't know why they say, well, we didn't know any better when I when I was 13 or 14 or 15 knew better. Yeah. I don't I don't know why. Sure. I had, you know, I don't know why we as a family have never really sat down and gone through all of this. Because, I mean, when your parents come to visit, they bring his body with them. Right? He, his death is, is part of their DNA. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. And the degree to which it is experience, in other words, the degree to which your brother's descent into drug addiction may have been environmental and that there was something in the environment is the degree to which it needs to be talked about because there may be echoes of that environment still around, right? Yeah. That's right. That's number one. Number two, the degree to which we say, okay, well, it's maybe it's genetic, right? Well, a genetic susceptibility, like if your kids had a genetic susceptibility to heart defects, mm -hmm. wouldn't you get them checked out a lot? Wouldn't this be a very important part of your conversation with your kids? Yeah. Right, so either it's genetic or it's probably, yeah. obviously probably some combination of the two, right? But if there's any echoes of the environment that produced him around, that needs to be addressed. And let's say it's zero and all genetic. Well, your kids may be susceptible to that as well, and that's something that they need to know. Yeah. Yeah. Because the last thing your parents and you would ever want, and I'm oh. not saying it would, right? Would, would be for any any repetition it probably won't be as extreme but but any any kind of repetition no absolutely you know and no this is i mean like i said this has been great um something i definitely want to talk to my parents about and really nip the uh, nip this in the butt i don't know if that's the right term but um get really down to the heart of it and really talk to my kids about it and your nine-year-old is only a couple of years away from significant peer pressure yeah along with hormones right yeah yeah, yeah. So, listen, Serge, I, I oh, hate to stop. No, it's I, I got to okay. move on. But oh, listen, absolutely. I really appreciate you calling in. I appreciate your honesty and your openness. I really appreciate the dedication you have to your kids and their welfare. And I really appreciate the openness uh, that you've had to this crazy-ass podcast conversation uh, for the last <laughs> couple of months. And, uh, uh, you know, hopefully you can call back anytime and let us know uh, how things are going. No, absolutely. And I really appreciate everything. I, you know, thank you for taking this call. My pleasure, man. Take care. Take care. All right. Thank you, Serge. Let's try and call Chantel. Chantel Elise got a bird of face. Now dialing rotary phone. <laughs> well, that's the other option. We do have a landline. up World War I trench line. <laughs> Sending Mel Gibson on a mad sprint through Gallipoli to deliver your message. Wait, I think my references are getting like Dennis Miller. Or I was going to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. You got it. It's the movie Gallipoli. You've never seen this movie with like a very young, like pre-fascistic Mel Gibson? I haven't even uh, heard of the movie, let alone seen it. 
Sorry. Oh, it's, it's worth <laughs> watching. It's worth watching. I've got a standing stock. I'm the standing stock guy. I smoke and run. Anyway, you'll see it. It's uh, worth uh, worth looking at. World War One movies starring bullets. Oh, Chantel, are you on now? Yes, yes, I am. Oh, okay. Your audio sounds great. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm doing it from my phone now. All right. That's your phone? Yes, my phone. Well, Skype on her phone. Skype yes, on Skype on her phone. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. All right. I going to say, uh... I will pay you a million dollars for that. My phone sounds like because of course you know in canada sometimes other people like sometimes there's someone else using a cell phone in canada and so naturally uh it's you know huge problems like we all have to schedule who gets online uh because because canada has a lot of government monopolies when it comes to telecommunications so (laughs) yes you're right you're right about that all right so what's on your mind uh, chantelle i'll read the intro and you guys can go from there Hey, she's got a nice voice and a great phone. Does she? Do you have your text, Chantel? You wanna <laughs> go ahead, Chantel. Um, if you wanna just jump right into it, read your questions. That's cool. Okay. Um, I kind of um, I'm not looking at my questions actually, but uh, if you can find them for me. Um, but uh, my main question, really, ultimately, I'll just go with it. Um, with what? Because I know what I wanted to talk about. Um, it's my son, ultimately. Um. I'm having, a lot, and he's a good boy. He's a really good boy, but I have a lot of trouble uh, disciplining him. It seems like um, he has like this temper when he gets when he gets really upset, with, like when he's having a hard time accepting something. He kind of just he freaks out, and I've tried so many different maneuvers on that and I always think that you give great parenting advice and um, I'm kind of I'm getting very I it's discouraging sometimes because I really put a lot of effort and I don't know I'm not getting good results and that that's a hard question to ask right I mean it tears at the heart to say where, where things are right I mean yeah I, I know just I'd say that like great like really courageous and uh, like kudos on you I wish yeah. parents uh, reached out for any help uh, uh, sometimes so when nice. they feel overwhelmed. So I appreciate that. It's that's very very brave of you, and I I just wanted to thank you for that. Thank you. That's that's the nicest thing I've heard all day, actually. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Um, can you give me an example of how this uh, manifests? Uh, of how this uh, this temper shows up? Um. I don't know how it maybe has, I think his brain kind of works like he gets into these zones. So um, sometimes he's you know, very uh, great and, and enjoyable and loving. And some other times he seems to, like nothing happened, you know, like let's say I'd pick him up from daycare. And like sometimes with his father, especially, um, you know. A lot, oftentimes it goes so well and like he loves going in his dad's truck and all that and some a lot of times though he'll go pick him up and he's just like no I don't want to go with you and you know nothing happened to have any type of and then if like, you'll just say like oh come on it's fine mama's busy or something like that in that example um He'll just freak out. It's like sometimes when he wants to have something going, like, I don't know, when he has an idea in his head and it goes another way, he gets very, like, screamish. And, um, 
Wait, does he? Sorry, he 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 screams like at the daycare, or is that in the car or um, at home? Like any types. Like sometimes his his anger will be more like a normal, like he'll express himself more. But I don't know if it's he's just having trouble expressing himself when he's. But he tends to like just kind of like no no just like continue in this little ongoing thing for like a while, and sometimes it's it's very loud. Where, like, you know, it's kind of like if there's people around, like, I, I, I don't seem to know how to quiet him down. Like, he kind of, I, it's hard for me to explain it. He's not so much, he's, I don't know. And he's, how old is he? He's three, but he's about to be four, like, soon, October. Right. And when did he first go into daycare? Um, He's been in daycare since about two and a half. Two and a half years? Yes. And, and before he's, that, he's technically what was the considered right now in like uh, preschool, I guess. Right. And preschool. from zero to two and a half? Um, he was at home. Uh, with you? Yes. Uh, and you were home full time with him? Yes. And how did that go? Um, well, he developed a little late, so I would have to say this would be more my observation from like 18 months forward. Um. You know, I mean, good, like very routine. He'd be easy to put to bed. A lot of stuff, you know, was he was very good at. And um, but always uh, when he gets upset is uh, where I have trouble. Um, he's always had kind of this attitude, this 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 temper, hard to. I don't. You mean uh, from from being a, uh, from a baby, from a newborn? From yes, like attitude, loving, smiling, like everything. Like it's not like he's a. But when he gets upset, or when he doesn't want to hear no, or you know, sometimes he can accept the no, but oftentimes he doesn't. Like this is what I mean. Like just kind of tantrums, you know, little tantrums. But, and but, sorry to interrupt, but 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 attitude is like I was talking when he was a baby, right? Yes, attitude is a pretty strong word. Uh, yeah. Attitude is one of these very, very volatile words that parents have. Like, I don't need this attitude. I'm not saying you would say yes. that, right? But attitude is is a very loaded term to use with uh, with a kid, if that makes sense. Yes. Because because attitude is something that is uh, is chosen and is not <laughs> reactive and is bratty. Yes, yes, yes. You're right. Okay. But- that's probably the <laughs> bad choice of bad choice of words. No, um, I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad choice of words because if that describes a little bit of how you felt or, or feel about him he does, as a well, person, well, that's kind of because that's what I feel. What he does, I feel like he's giving me attitude, kind of. Uh, but what, okay, let's unpack attitude then, right? So what what does that mean to say he's he's giving you attitude? Like. Uh, if I would describe it when I was a teenager, if I'd have a conflict uh, with another girl, right? But whatever, mm-hmm, yeah, like this type of, you, that's what I, I'm kind of considering in my head as attitude. I um, mean, he kind of has it in like a baby form. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that makes. Uh, uh, that's that's the energy. So you basically that I feel gave you out. gave birth to the cast of Mean Girls. Is that? Uh, <laughs> Is that thesis that we're working with here? <laughs> like I some valley girl so uh, like, with an eye roll and a Prada bag came out of your hoo-hoo and just started setting as, up shop? Not as dramatic. Okay. Not as dramatic, but it is it is someone like that because he has an older sister. Like he does have an elite example to, to go by. 
And of course, like every kid has their day sometimes and, you know, you're, you're going to expect something, especially if they're tired or any type of situation that can cause that increase. Yeah. So, so attitude, um, it's, it's chosen, it's defiant, it's conscious, it's willed, it's, uh, uh, oppositional without cause and it's not reactive, right? Yes. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying you would ever do this, but, but, you know, you've probably seen those shows where they wake some poor slumbering guy with an air horn. <laughs> And he's like, you jerks, right? I mean, nobody would say he's just throwing random attitude at people, right? Well, yeah, obviously, yes. So, yeah, so attitude is something that gets unnecessary. It's bratty. It's chosen. Uh, and uh, that's how you experienced his uh, temper. Now, he just has one sister. Is that right? Yes, exactly. Just one sibling. Wait, he hasn't wooed you into having another kid yet? I don't <laughs> Attitude trio. You could add attitude in harmony. <laughs> Uh, you get an attitude choir going uh, right there. Um, now, what was um, uh, what was uh, your relationship with your husband uh, like uh, after? Uh, well, before and after your son was born, sort of more immediately. Uh, before and after. Um, before, uh, before I had him, um, it was we've had rocky situations. So, um, why does he throw attitude too? Is that, <laughs> I'm just trying to get a theme going here for no reason. Sure, but sorry, go ahead. Um, yeah, like we've, we've, we've had some, some complications and at one point we did, um, separate for a, not a long time, just a brief period, maybe like two months, uh, about two months. Yes. That like, where um, was that, uh, sorry, where was that separation in your son's existence? Um, he was about a year, I would say. Uh-huh. He said meaningfully. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, and what was it that was going on with your husband and yourself that required or, or precipitated a separation at that time? Um, well, that's a variety of things. It would be to take a very long time. I've, I've got time. <laughs> No, we don't need to read the digest version. Not that anybody under um, fifty knows what that. <laughs> well, I would say ultimately we had um, kind of um, a, a different situation. I'm uh, family means a lot to me, and I've always uh, didn't really ever thought that if I would have a child with somebody, let's say not due to marriage, but we've actually just even just like serious commitment and have a child, that um, this would be the man that I would make um, all efforts for, right? Because we have a child and ultimately I want them to be in a family. So it was this type of attitude and he comes from a cultured background where even if he wouldn't have wanted to settle down, um, there would have been a lot of pressure to settle down and do the right thing and whatnot. Um, Wait, so are you saying that you weren't married when you had your daughter? Um, we're, we're technically not married. We're not legally married. I call him my okay, husband. Okay. Yes. Uh, right. But the commitment obviously is, is it, there. Exactly. This is okay. the, the man that I have the children with. So, um, and so we, when, we were when, dating very briefly. I'm sorry to interrupt. So did you, uh, you, sorry, you said you were dating very briefly when you got pregnant? Yes, exactly. It wasn't a long relationship. And, um, it's just so I try and keep my fertility floaty head in, in my hat. Okay. Um, how, how did this happen? 
Um, we <laughs> met at a wedding, I guess. And um, uh, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> I thought he was cute. Um, the woman that and, was... And it's a good thing they never serve any drinks at wedding, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this was a, actually it's, a non-alcoholic yeah. wedding. Oh, really? <laughs> there, yeah, okay. they weren't serving any drinks at the wedding. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, so it didn't, nothing happened. Wait, you didn't night. get pregnant at the wedding, did no, you? No, 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 <laughs> That, that would be a pretty quick life cycle. It's very uh, as fast. A whole. Hey, boom, one time. <laughs> You're stuck yeah, yeah. Uh, No, no. Um, so it was just, it was an, we just met at a wedding. We didn't even talk at the wedding. Uh, we, we met afterwards. The girl who got married kind of, I had just gotten out of a relationship and she was like, this was the boy that I thought you'd be good for and that you guys would like each other. And she just kind of called him up and just threw me on the phone type of thing. This is ultimately what happened. But anyway, so basically she was saying, I don't want to raise children alone. You guys, uh, you, you both fertile. No, I'm just kidding. But, okay, so, <laughs> and so how long were you going out before you got pregnant? Uh, five months. Right. And what, uh, what happened? And how did you so, end up um, it, was, it was kind of a shocker. Um, I've, I, I always was told uh, that I would have problem conceiving and stuff, so I really didn't expect this. Why were you told that you would have endometriosis, uh, premature ovarian um, failure, high FSH levels, uh, FSH? What, what, what does the? Um, I just have. I have a very. I've gotten operated many times um, on my cervix, so my cervix. I have like pretty much no cervix, and so they told me that it's not so much that I would have problems conceiving, but um, that you know, if I get pregnant, I'll most likely just keep miscarrying. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So you weren't on birth control? Um, I I was not on birth control, no. Um, and it was Wait, like one were time. Were you hoping that a miscarriage would be the solution? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> this is what? not what I'm it's saying. It's okay, I've you know. I mean, previously before I'm like a basketball player with butter on his hands. There's no way I can hang on to anything, so don't worry about it. Just no trampolining for a while. I mean, w- 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 I don't understand. Like you um, told, you no, can get no, pregnant, uh, but you'll but be you likely know, to miscarriage. Uh, I I don't know. I've never. I, I've had sometimes uh, sex without protection, and uh, I've I've just never been pregnant. I, I no, I get it. And lots of people like play fertile. Russian roulette. Yeah, lots <laughs> yeah. of people play Russian roulette, uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know they're fine until exactly. they're not. This you know, is and then of, uh, this is what it was pretty much playing Russian roulette because it was one time. It's not like we just we were just being dumb and all constantly. You know, then you, you, know, it was you one end up time, showing up in a yeah, you end up showing up in an Alan Cumming biography, and anyway, that's <laughs> another story for another time. Okay, so basically, you were rolling the dice, right? Yes, exactly. I guess okay. it, it would it would have to be that way. There's no other way to put it. So um, not not a shocker. Like a shocker is I was in solitary confinement and I got pregnant <laughs> because I don't know some guy whacked off on a sperm. Uh, he whacked his sperm off on an ant that then you know like I mean that would be a shocker. Just, yes, exactly. You know, unprotected sex, not exactly a shocker, right? Exactly. It wasn't okay, that. Okay. Exactly. Got it. So, so um, what happened then? I mean, so this pretty young relationship to, well, drop babyhood into the mix, right? Yes, exactly. It was it was uh, it was a difficult situation on on both sides. Uh, it doesn't really matter the details of it, but. Did you, sorry to interrupt, but just out of curiosity, did you, did you tell him 
right away or did you uh, yes like did you think well miscarriage you know i'll just no 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 i I told him right away when i found out i was shocked i like although i mean it's it sounds really crazy and even when we went i didn't believe it so i took an appointment at the doctors to like really confirm and uh, even he said, how did this happen? And the doctors told him, like, do I really need to tell you about the birds and the bees right now? You know, it was that. Right. Yeah. So, but I don't know. It was, uh, although, you know, we didn't and he, sorry, protection. He, he, it was he still knew. very unexpected, I guess, on both sides. It was just kind of like, wow, really? Like, this is where we are right now. And did your, I don't know, what's the new word, boy toy, did your boy toy know prior to you getting pregnant about your fertility issues? Um, yes, we've, we've talked about it. I've told them I had some, some cancer that, you know, was down there and they removed it. And um, Was it know, actual cancer or abnormal cells? or? It's, it's, it was precancerous cells um, that needed right. to be removed that were getting to a very bad stage. Um, so if he wanted to date you and, and I assume, you know, he's not a complete hedonist, right? I mean, like in the moment kind of guy. So if he wanted to continue dating you after knowing that you were not likely to be able to have children, does that mean that he was not that interested in having children? Um, I don't think so because that any way to spin it, he would have been, he grew up in this kind of environment. Right, came from a large family. All his uncles, everybody has large families. Um, I would say, you know, his parents were still married. It just naturally embedded him to be a little bit more cultured, to have wanted to desire something like that. I would say. So he knew you had you. You basically were not on birth control because you thought it was so improbable you could ever get pregnant. Yes. And he wants a big family. And he's uh, well, got no I don't problem. think he really, uh, you know, I would say it more like he probably didn't think that, uh, you know, he didn't consider me as wife material for the future, you know. He, so he wanted a fling. You know, at that moment, I would say yes. Well, it's five months is not exactly a moment, but. Well, I would say in the beginning. <laughs> well, from finding out, I mean, this information all got told pretty often, like soon. And it, it is, you're right, it's not a long a long time period, but um, we didn't no, have and, sex and, right but away. It, it, the you know, the reason that I'm asking it. these, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the reason I'm asking these questions is I'm sort of trying to get a mental map of um, conversations you may or may not have had prior to pregnancy and where you both were coming from in terms of, <laughs> that sounds bad, where you both were coming from in terms of the uh, relationship and, and its future and its potential and all that kind of stuff. Yes. Okay. Okay. And did you want kids? Um, I did. I always saw myself, um, like I, I would have kids. I always wanted them. Um, so, and I, and I told that to him when we started dating, I said, I'm, I just got out of a long relationship. I'm now 27, about to be 28. Um, I'm not interested in wasting my time. Like if I, if I don't feel the connection, um, like it doesn't, it doesn't take that long to start to get to know somebody's character and to see like, oh, this is not really for me or, wow, you know, I've hit the jackpot. I found a great guy. So, well, but so, so hang on. So I'm trying to, it seems like there's a bit of a mismatch. At least this may just be my um, attempting to sort of un- understand these connections. But 
you were looking for someone to settle down with and having kids, and he was looking for something less permanent? I would say so at the time, yes. But at the same time, I think that he did like me. Mm-hmm. It's just he's from he's from a different background than me, and I think so. He ultimately anticipated Lebanese. Lebanese, okay. Yes. So um, I think he just kind of expected, like, he didn't want to take advantage of me, but maybe he was thinking in his head, but I do like her. Like, he did think I was I was pretty and, you know, cool to hang out with and stuff, um, but maybe not really ready to make that decision and not thinking of it as he's doing a bad thing because he's still getting to know me type of thing. So still playing the field and i mean you know he's a man i guess he was enjoying the the benefits that that reaped with it you know right so okay and um so you got pregnant and and obviously you stayed together and you lived together uh, and when your daughter was born and what's the age gap between your kids uh two years and a half about. Showed those doctors, didn't you? All right. So during the first two and a half years with your daughter, what was that like between yourself and your husband? <laughs> um, it wasn't the greatest. It wasn't the greatest. I would say that the beginning was the hardest part. You know, it's it was the important The beginning, part. you mean the of your daughter's life? Yeah, the beginning of us being together and starting a family and stuff. We weren't, I would say we're a lot stronger now than we were then, definitely, for sure. <laughs> we weren't in a healthy place. And what was unhealthy? Um, well, I think we just both kind of felt like it was, we wanted to do the right thing and we might as well give it a shot. And no, that's not, that's, that's, that's yeah. the healthy impulse or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> exactly. But you're not answering what I asked, which is what was unhealthy or dysfunctional about your relationship with your there was some i mean there's a lot of fighting a lot of and fighting like uh, verbal physical what are we talking about uh verbal uh wait there's a dot 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 there i can i can hear it <laughs> but i'm no. not sure where it leads. <laughs> verbal <laughs> no, no 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 as a verbal uh, verbal but you know, I mean, it's it's gotten heating up, right? Like, not all the time. Like, I mean, if you're going to constitute every fight, some fights are milder, right? But I don't know. I guess we kind of had the attitude like we were getting on each other's nerves. And hey, there's that word again. Yeah. It's it. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> And what would you fight about? Any you say getting on each other's nerves? Just, it's... I I was often alone. We started it off, you know. We didn't, you know, we're, we're moving in together. We didn't live together previously, right? Um, so we move in together, and we have a baby, and we're this instant family. And there's commitment and stuff, right? And I don't know. We I was often alone. I was. Um, what, what do you mean? So he, he was working? Because, you know, guys are known to work pretty ferociously when they've got a kid, yes. right? Because that's just your instinct kicking in saying, bring meat to tiny mouth, right? Yeah, yes. Um, he, well, he, exactly. He worked full time. And at that time, I, I was at home uh, with the baby. I was on maternity leave. 
and um, and then he would come home and we would have dinner and then he would leave. And sometimes he was working. Sometimes it was work related. Sometimes it was friend related, hanging out. Oh, he'd come. He'd go to work. He'd come home, and then he'd go out with friends. Sometimes. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of douchey, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, you know. Like no, I mean, listen. I mean, I, I've been a stay-at-home dad. I mean, love my daughter, but man, you get pretty hungry for some adult time after a day with a baby, right? Well, this is how I felt at the time, right? I, how about I? How about I have words with more than one syllable, maybe even a couple of consonants? <laughs> That'd be lovely, <laughs> right? It's you know, it's not so much. I'm I'm I don't know. I'm I'm okay by myself. You know, I didn't. It's not that I. I I needed him to be there, or even wanted him to be there. I'm okay, uh, you know. Sometimes what? if I spend too what much, do you, mean if you didn't wait, wait. You didn't want the father of your child well, to you be know, home with you and your when child. You, sometimes when you're in a relationship, right? You, you kind of you don't like the same shows. You don't like the same. So sometimes you kind of argue over the. You know, sometimes if no, one person dominates no, no, the television, no, listen, and sometimes you, I never no no, there, no 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 don't kind of don't like, you start. <laughs> Hang on, don't you start dragging my marriage into this thing. <laughs> don't you start universalizing this, young lady. No, I mean, I don't get tired of it's, my it's life. Not, I'm, I'm not saying it, it in a bad way. It almost sounds bad, but I think like a lot of married people would understand where I'm coming from here, right? You get, you know, it's, I'm, I'm okay alone. <laughs> you know, if he's there, good too, right? We, we have our, our good times, but um, it's not so much being alone. And let's say if he had a career where he's just working constant hours I'm a strong woman I can I can deal with that it's I think it was more that he you know it's I I'll give you all the freedom it's not like you didn't no, no, but, ask me but, for something I no, would say no, no, see, but ah, hang on 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 because I'm just getting tidal waves of justifications here so I need to <laughs> snorkel up for some air um, <laughs> because what you're not talking about is important and what you're not talking about and I'm not saying it's not part of your thinking at all but what you're not talking about is the degree to which your daughter needed her father because you're like well I could take a break it was okay for me sometimes married couples this and that right but your daughter needs a father like babies need mother's milk and oxygen right yes yes you're right this is ultimately you know, for me, it, it doesn't matter so much, but for the kids, it does a lot more. Every parent, you know, loves their kids so much and you want the best for them. Right. And, and, so and I, when, when kids are young, sorry, when kids are young, uh, studies have repeatedly shown that they gravitate towards play with fathers. Yes. That if they're given the choice between the mother and the father, they will choose to play with the father. And in particular, uh, the management of aggression is associated with paternal influence, particularly on boys. So my question is, how much was the father around? I don't know what to call him. I, boyfriend sounds ridiculous, and partner sounds like you're going to play fucking tennis or something. And so I'm just going to call him the father. Okay. Um, but uh, with your son, how much was the father uh, involved, not just around, but, you know, on the ground, uh, with him rolling around, play fighting, whatever goes on. He, he was, he, 
he definitely the daughter dominated more that one. Uh, my daughter got a lot more from him than my son did. So, so even though you were saying that that your daughter, like the, your, your your husband, your, your the father would go back to work, uh, or sometimes out with his friends after being away all day, you're saying that your son got less of that even than your daughter did. <laughs> well, the he would oftentimes, at least I would say, um, two to three times. I mean, my daughter went to bed early, right? So sometimes he would leave. It would be more me that would be left behind because sometimes he would leave the house, let's say, around eight, around her bedtime. So he came home and so he still spent time with her. And he would do this thing where he would cut up fruit and eat it with her. And it was like their time together. And so he he did that. You know, there was he had these little things that he he would do with her that was their thing to do. And when he had sometimes like a week off of work, um, he actually took her. He surprised me. He took her the whole week and he would dress her in the morning. He did her hair, you know, so they, they still, they had those, those bonding times together. Okay. Now with regards to your son, how did that play out? Um... So, you know, he's born and there's still another child to give attention to as well. You can't just, okay, now I have a new kid, you in the corner. So um, maybe it's a little bit somehow favoritism. I thought maybe a boy, like men, always seemed, even from back in the days in movies, right? It's always important to have the boy. Um, in Arabic culture, it's it's very important. Uh, sometimes the woman could have had five, four girls in a row, and the husband will still put pressure because he wants a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he definitely, I don't know, that there wasn't that. They're now getting a, a better bond, a much, much stronger bond, but there there definitely wasn't a bond in the beginning. Um, in the beginning, uh, what do you mean? Like how long? Um, well, when he was a baby, I was breastfeeding him, so and he breastfed a lot. <laughs> so for the first four months, I was. Yeah, we like those. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> doesn't change a lot, but uh, starts early, stays there, pretty strong. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I, it, he was always with me. It was hard to get. Because you, you know, you know what it's what it is for baby boys. It's like, man, it's gonna be a while till I get my hands on these again. So <laughs> I'm hoarding. I'm gathering. I'm gonna. It's, it, he's, he, that's exactly how he seemed to be. Just like I'm just gonna hog these as much as I can until you yeah. know, the card yeah, plays out. You're not gonna out. eat again for a long time. You have a good meal. I'm gonna, <laughs> in a while, so you get back in the get back with the girls. Okay, so. Um, and, and where was she, so? You, but your relationship with the father was was not doing super great at, we were, during this time because you had culminated after a year uh, with a two month separation, right? And does your um, did your did your son have any of these sort of uh, together time stuff that your daughter had with uh, with his father? And no, I can't recall. Like he tried sometimes. Like sometimes it did it did happen, but um, very. Very rare. Not, right. not a, and, not and that's, uh, sorry, just in case anyone can hear these sounds, it's just fireworks. 
Right. So, so that's a problem, right? In terms of uh, uh, the the development uh, and the bond. Uh, you know, the early connection is is important, right? Um, between well, any child and well, parent, I, w- but, I would agree. If you want a strong connection at an early age, still with your children, you would have to do from the beginning. I mean, maybe you can get. I believe in always you can get a connection somehow if somebody really makes an effort, right? Sometimes I'm sure a father that wasn't so close with his kids and now realized, you know, and makes a you know really makes the effort. The, the child will come around, right? And the connection can be done. But if you want a, a good, strong one, I mean, it's definitely important to do it from the beginning, I would say. A lot of things that um, I guess maybe I I think that he would have thought of as a chore or like the, the woman's job to do, maybe I would say. Um, stuff like bathing the kids, um, you know, putting them in bed, uh, little things like that, the little parenting things that you do, right? Applying the sunscreen. Uh, I don't. Uh, you know that it was it, it was me, ultimately, and so. What I, were his uh, responsibilities? Um, I guess to provide, and uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. Uh, Take your time. So literally, not what I expected, but what he actually provided is like I just yeah. I'm just trying to make sure of the question that you're asking. So not well, you're talking about the like he said the woman's work, right? Yes. And what was the man's work um, with regards to parenting? Not not providing, right? Okay. Parenting. Um. I mean, a trust fund could provide, but we wouldn't call it a father, right? I'm not saying the provision <laughs> is unimportant, but it's not exactly parenting, right? Um, so what he was providing, I would say, is um, the title of a father. Hi, um, Bob was home. They know who their father is. Um, and the when especially with my daughter when he plays with her you know she gets happy of course right so um i'm not going to say cuz it's hard to say from the beginning till now cuz he's changed a lot as well now um but so what he's provided what he was providing <laughs> let me just uh, what he was providing then or what he's providing now well he's providing less now is that fair so right now yeah okay um, for for my son towards my I'm just sorry I'm a, the the question is confusing me a little bit. What he's providing for my a, son right yeah, now he was, as he a was more involved with your daughter. Um, well, right now I mean he he picks them up. Um, sometimes from school they get haircuts together. Um, you know he plays with them. He goes with them outside and, and plays with them. Um, he's, he's good now. He offers, I mean, he works a lot. So, but I have to say he's making a lot of effort now. I can't, that's, it's, it's different from then till now. Right. Okay. And, um, you said earlier that you're having trouble with discipline with yes. your son. Yes. What does that mean? It's also, 
And what I mean by that is when he gets mad and he gets into his character of being very upset, I would say a character that he puts on because it's not every scenario that's a scenario that he should be that upset about. So he's putting on this character, very upset and freaking out. Um, it's very, it's embarrassing now. He's at an age where he should be able to accept no and if not express himself. I mean, his sister always talks, right? She, she says through her unhappiness at the moment, let's say, but he just kind of gets angry and hits. He'll hit. He hits me sometimes, you know, he'll hit. He just kind of spaces out. I don't, uh, not spacing out, but he gets very upset. Uh, sometimes it's hitting and just he's yelling. I mean, he's not yelling actual stuff that can help me. Like if he was like, well, it's not fair because I really wanted, you know, it's like more shouting. And. But didn't, didn't he see a lot of that with you and the father? He's, he has you guys been have a lot shouting. of you yes. have yelling matches, right? Yes. So, wouldn't isn't he doing what he saw? Isn't he showing the mirror up to what he experienced? Yeah, I would say maybe so. I mean, I don't want to, right? I mean, it's very much we've we've discussed that as well. Me and the father, like, we're being very cautious, a lot more cautious. Um, I won't say that it's never happened again where we haven't uh, argued in front of the kids, but um, I don't know. Maybe it was resentment. Um, I don't know, but we wouldn't really, you know, I can't. That's This is just as much like my fault. We're both responsible uh, for our actions, but, I mean, they have witnessed arguing matches. And, um, no, not arguing. I mean, fighting matches, right? I mean, yes. raised voices, yelling. Yes, uh, exactly. And, it's and it's he fighting. Would be, yeah, and he would have heard language that he couldn't possibly understand, right? If he was one or two or three years old, right? If you guys yes, were definitely. Each other in front of him. So, the, the, so what he's doing is, is he's, he's speaking back in incoherent ways. He's acting out his anger in incoherent ways, which is what he experienced from you and the father, right? Which is that you guys acted out your anger in ways that were incoherent to him, right? Aren't you asking him to, at the age of four, aren't you asking him to have a level of emotional skill that neither you nor the father regularly displayed in front of him? Aren't you having higher standards for him than you are for you guys? I don't quite understand this. I definitely do. I do want a lot more higher standards for both of my kids. No, but he's four. And you've modeled this behavior for him. And so you, you, you seem frustrated that he's not verbalizing his feelings in a way that's productive and, and helps to resolve the conflicts and so on. But if you and the father were capable of doing that, they wouldn't have seen you fighting in the way that you did. That's true. And he didn't want to see that, right? And if you, so what he's saying is like, well, if you guys can't manage to have discussions in a civil and productive manner, 
then why, why would I? You can't have higher standards for me than you have for each other. It's very true. Where does he learn the hitting from? How is he disciplined? How has he seen hitting? Mm-hmm. Or has he experienced hitting? Do you spank? Um, I I have spanked him before, but it, like it's not a it's it's not a, like a method that I'm let's say implying as a method of discipline. For the kids, it I, has I don't know happened. What that means, but you, you spanked him. No, I don't spank them, but I have spanked them. What? <laughs> you don't spank them, but you have spanked. Them. Please, come on. This but is like I'm the caller from last night. I don't know what that means. I, before I thought that um, spanking uh, was 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 good, and um, I've, I I no longer agree with it, so I don't do it anymore. Is what I'm saying. And I, I think that's right. It's, and I, it's a I lot of the that, videos no. that I've watched right. from you, actually. H- how often did you spank, though? And, and uh, how how many times? Um, my son, not, not so I'm I'm having a hard time recalling because it's really, I don't know, maybe... Just roughly. I've sometimes spanked him on the hands. I would say that would be, like, the most often one. But it wasn't, like, um, it's more like, you know, touching something and it's like, you know, a little spank on the hand. Like, not something that he would cry over, you know, more mm-hmm. like, don't but touch. But it's still enough to startle and frighten him, right? To be aversive. Yes. So that I would say um, about, like, I don't know, 10 times maybe, 10, 15 times. Mm-hmm. Um. That was more when he was a baby, and uh, and spanking on the bum. I think maybe three times. Mm -hmm. I have. I didn't. I didn't spank him much. I didn't know. But my daughter, I spanked her more than that. If like if I'm to be honest, my daughter, I I spanked her more than that. But my son, I didn't spank him very much. I've only spanked him maybe three times. So, and um, how often did you spank your daughter? My daughter, I, I spanked her more. I would say not when she was small, um, but from about the age of um, three to four years old, I spanked her like, I would say about 20 times, 20. No. And, and the little year, on the hand? Like from four, from four to five, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, on the hand, not often, not often, very little. And I, what I never really husbands, used that uh, method on her because she was good at listening. If I'd say like, oh, don't touch that, you know, she, she wouldn't, you know, I, I, I only like touch, I do the, I would do the hand thing to teach them like, no, no, you don't, you don't touch that. But my daughter, she like, I would tell her and she, she wouldn't have touched that. So I, I didn't really spank her hands. Right. Now, um, what about your uh, husband? What's his? Uh, sorry, the father. What's his uh, discipline approach? He's he's never spanked the kids like on the bum. That was never something that he did. Um, he's um, spanked um, on the hands, but he's never spanked my daughter. He's and um, so he'll mainly talk loud like affirmative, sometimes put them in a timeout, 
or say like you're you're not getting but he'll he he thinks we should do more his his way of thinking like like he always says like he needs a beating <laughs> he always says that about my son he thinks i'm too soft on him i get a lot of pressure that like i'm not because i'm i'm trying to talk to him and he's not seeing results and i'm like i'm not with him all day as well he's in preschool and uh, so your husband thinks that the children should, uh, sorry, uh, the father thinks that the children should be beaten? Um, not my daughter. Like, he'd, he'd never say that about my daughter. But he says it about my son. So he thinks your son should be beaten. That would solve the discipline issues? Yes. And was he himself beaten uh, as a child? Yes. And he's not done that to your son? No. But he thinks that it would be <laughs> yes. better. Do you, do, do you know if your son has ever heard his father indicate a desire that he be beaten? Um, yes. So your son knows that his father thinks that being beaten would be uh, a, a big step in the right direction for him yes i don't know if he understands what beaten means but i think uh, he understands tone i think he understands gestures yes it's true yes right definitely Definitely. from 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 his body language he he definitely knows that his father's saying something needs to happen here (laughs) okay if you could not laugh about this stuff sorry i'd really appreciate it it's very disconcerting because, I mean, it's serious stuff, right? No, you're right. Sorry. Um, so, is it... Is it a massive shock that your son thinks that physical aggression is a valid way of solving problems? I'm not. It's... it's I wouldn't say a huge shock. Right. Um, it's just that the hitting comes from being hit. Yes. Uh, the hitting comes... Um, from uh, maybe uh, seeing your daughter uh, being slapped uh, on the hand or whatever, right? And and the hearing, the, the the hitting comes from the father saying you you solve problems with with hitting. Yes. So I mean, you guys are teaching him that the word for tree is tree, and then you seem surprised when he uses the word tree. So is he? Um, is he? Uh, uh, what, what is your son's view of reality uh, in a sort of fundamental way? And, and the reason I ask that is that um, when I was a kid, I had there were. I mean, I was around a lot of kids when I was a kid. I mean, I, I went. I was in boarding school where there were like hundreds and hundreds of us all crammed into these. I shouldn't say crammed. It wasn't that Dickensian, but there were uh, a lot of us and. Uh, I used to actually remember for a year or two after I left boarding school, I could still remember, I still have this picture downstairs of the whole school with me sort of down in the front. And um, I could actually, for a year or two after I left that school, I could remember every kid's name. Like every one of the hundreds of kids there. I remember all of their, I don't remember them. I remember just a couple now, but I did. I knew all their names. And... um, I was in a wide variety of different schools and had lots of cousins and, and, and all that. And uh, 
uh, was, was a pretty a pretty social uh, social kid, and okay. uh, no problem making friends and and uh, having playmates and all that kind of stuff. Well, he's definitely social. Right, right. He's uh... and what I have. Uh, noticed just from sort of having, and of course I, I taught in a daycare and all that. So I've noticed some things around, you know, sort of having been around uh, a lot, a lot of kids. And and what I've really noticed is is how much they do pick up from their from their environment, and and how much they they mirror and repeat. We're, you know, the, you know, we're a, we're a kind of monkey, so to speak. And there's a word yeah, for imitating, just do. called to. Yeah, to, to ape something, right, is to, is to imitate, to, to, right, and apes will um, repeat what, what, what they see and, and show back uh, what they see. Yes. And uh, if, if he's seen a lot of yelling and if he's seen a lot of acting out, then that's what he's going to do. He, he is programmed to, to imitate the father in particular. And, and, you know, obviously I don't want... <laughs> Not really much point thinking of of your four year old as a sexual being in any way, but nature is preparing him to continue the line, and the most sexually successful male that he knows is his father because that's why he exists yeah. right so so his genes are going to teach him do what daddy does because daddy got mommy and you want to get a woman right because otherwise these genes don't last very long right okay never had it put like that that's really cool. Okay. But it's it's true, right? I mean, yes. the whole point of the genes is do what works sexually. Because if it doesn't work sexually, then you're all flowers and no bees, right? Yes, <laughs> and exactly. So, you know, you don't don't get very far, right? And a question that I have uh, uh, again around having been around a lot of kids, you know, so, some kids, you know, were pretty skeptical and had a lot of you know what I would call common sense, and other kids. Would like they believed in ghosts and Loch Ness monsters and yetis and fairies and and you know tooth fairies and and they were just they they had a metaphysical view which is sort of basic reality. Some were like you know I don't trust it if I can't touch it you know <laughs> uh, you know I'm skeptical make the case and so on. And other kids seem to sort of swallow whole this view of the universe that what we see is like a thin veneer over the vastness of complexity. You know, the, that famous line from that Hamlet says, uh, there are stranger things in heaven and earth, Horatio, than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Uh, you know, that, that sense data and, and you know, it, it's all just like a, a tiny sliver of all of the immenseness and vastness that's out there. And a lot of this stuff comes from religion, right? I mean, this idea that this is a veil of tears and we get to paradise on the other side. And what is your son's view of reality? Does, does he um, believe that he lives in the universe um, or does he believe that there are things outside the universe? I, this sounds very abstract. And, um, and there's no, no, I understand what you mean. Um, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if there's... He's he's sometimes mentioned like after watching let's say the movie Monsters. Oh, there's there's a monster in my but not saying it like he's scared, just more like maybe repeating what he saw. And 
than me telling him, oh, there's no monsters. And he's like, I know there's no monsters. But he doesn't, like, he never acts uh, scared or believes in, I would say he's very much in the reality. But I'm not, maybe the Santa Claus confuses him a little bit. But other than that, he's very much into the reality. He's not. Um, but at the same time, what does your what does the father want your son to do that he thinks beating would achieve? Like, what does he want? What conformity um, does he want that he think a beating would achieve? I, I don't know. I think that he just thinks that it would make him more submissive. Let's say more like what, so submissive means like when I say jump, you say how high that kind of stuff. I would say so, or if he doesn't want to not you know react in such an overwhelmed way, just kind of more dealing with it and accepting it, let's say, just I said no, you have to accept it, and like them accepting it very very well. And did you guys model a lot of acceptance uh, in front of your son when he was growing up? Um, acceptance of each other, acceptance of differences, not freaking out over little things, not getting into conflicts over, say, different tastes in television shows? Um, no, <laughs> we wouldn't argue over television shows. This was just like a little joke. Yeah. Um, well... I would say yes and no. I mean, I'm, I can be very accepting of a lot of things and I, I'll show acceptance towards certain things, certain things not. Sometimes it got demonstrated in front of the kids so they saw that this little scenario didn't go so well, but it's not as so much you can't do this, so I'm telling you no. And the person, it's more conversations that I don't know if that a child would even be able to to comprehend, right? It's personal, I guess, issues between us when we've argued in front of the kids. Right, right. Now, of course, he wouldn't really have any comprehension, I would assume, about what... Um what you guys were arguing about, right? I, w I would say no. Maybe comprehensions that we're arguing and, you know, this is the situation that we're in right now, but not so much understanding what the argument is about. Definitely not. Right. But he'd know that there would be a lot of raised voices, maybe some name-calling or whatever. And um, so if you guys are asking him to show more acceptance and not freak out, that's not what you would have modeled when he was growing up right i'm not saying all the no time. no it's it, no i like the way you put it because i exactly i mean i wouldn't have even i don't even know why i wouldn't have thought of that but i guess because i'm looking at it as the relationship with mother child is different i guess uh, husband wife i don't know maybe because maybe me i categorize it differently when i was a kid so so I guess that's why I never kind of put it together like that. And right. so now that you so, mention it, it's 
It's clear in hindsight, right? Yes. Because I mean, we, we do all this stuff in front of our kids, and then we distance ourselves from its effects, and we say, well, I wish the kid would just do X, right? I wish the kid wouldn't get so upset about inconsequential things when he grew up seeing his parents argue and split and yell and, right? Yes, exactly. And so, you know, it's like, well, wh- why, why the hell does he have to be so much like us? <laughs> like, <I think> that's, <laughs> that's one of these really, and people are genuinely, as you are, genuinely baffled by this. Like, well, why, why, why does he get so upset? Why does he hit? Why does he yell? Why, you know? Well, you guys hit and yell. I guess we, we constantly looked at it like, we're not disciplining good enough. We're not disciplining well enough. We're failing, but we mm-hmm. are failing. But it's more in what we're showing the kids. And it, it would have to be a consistent thing. You can't just be good for a period of time and then, oh, now it's it's going down. Now we're going to fight and we're going to do this. Oh, back consistent. We're always good. No, no, see, no, no, you can, you can fight. I mean, because, you know, saying we can't have conflicts, we can't have disagreements, but that's, that's not existing, right? I mean, that there are always going to be conflicts. That's not where parents do the damage. It, 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 you can have conflicts. That's not the harm that is done to the kids. The harm that is done to the kids, my friend, is when it is not acknowledged as bad behavior and apologized for on the part of the parents. Well, you know, that is, wow. I I thought it was literally because sometimes people tell me, you know, oh, you can't argue in front of the kids. And sometimes it's very hard. I mean, we all live together. And I was like, how are you not supposed to do that? How are we supposed to? But to say it like that, and when I argue with my kids, to be honest, and sometimes I feel like, oh, Maybe I got upset too. I was a little bit too hard and, and I apologize. Sometimes I raise my voice and I didn't, I don't like the way I felt how I handled the situation. And I actually apologize to my kids. But me and my husband don't apologize to each other too much. We do sometimes, but sometimes it's probably when the kids are sleeping, right? And we apologize later. No, no, and and what I'm basically talking about is not you apologizing to your the father of your children, but I mean that's great, but if you have like if you yell in front of your kids to apologize to you, them. This to I apologize do. like I'm sorry you saw that. We we were acting really badly. This uh, this I is do. bad behavior. This is not what we want to do. This is not, you know, because if we do it, how on earth are we going to tell you that it's wrong to do? Because that's ridiculous, right? Yes. I mean, there's nothing that destroys parental authority more than implicit hypocrisy. Yes. Like, at, le- at least say, do as I say, not as I do. That's like explicit hypocrisy. <laughs> the kids can <laughs> at least respect that, right? It's like, okay, there's two sets of rules, but at least they're acknowledged, right? <laughs> but if you guys are like, I mean... Well, if I you've mean, changed your mind about, hang on, if you've changed your mind about spanking, have you apologized to your yes, kids yes, about I have. spanking? Yes, I have. Good. Good. Okay, great. And if you've changed your minds about raising your voices and yelling, um, have you apologized to your kids for that? Is, is there a standard called, we don't yell at each other in this house, and, every, you know, maybe there's deviations, but you have to 
you know, you're sailing a ship, you go off course, you check your compass, you go back on course again, if that's acknowledged, right? Yes. And so is it, is it like, you know, we gave you bad examples, you know, I don't mean like you were terrible parents or whatever, but, but you know, you say, well, yeah, we gave you bad examples. We raised our voices. We called names. We fought over things that in hindsight, who gives a crap about? We threatened the family bond by having the father move out for two months. That's got to be terrifying for kids. And it is terrifying for children um, because biologically that means really disastrous things for children, right? When the resource provider leaves that is a uh, this is one of the reasons why children of single parents end up sexually maturing and, and having hypersexuality because it's like got to find a new provider because this provider is not going to stick around so right this is how nature biologically programs the kids to develop so um so has that been acknowledged as we gave you guys really really bad examples and we're going to work to undo the damage. We got to acknowledge that the damage has occurred. That we gave you bad examples. Because now what you're trying to do is you're getting upset at the symptoms of the examples you provided. That's not fair. So you gave them bad examples in conflict resolution. You gave them bad examples in verbalizing feelings. You gave them bad examples in escalation and temper. And now you're upset because they're mirroring the bad examples that you gave them. But you're not acknowledging that you gave them bad examples and that you did not, you did not meet the standards you're trying to impose on a four-year-old. Do you get how crazy that is? No, uh, no, I do. I, I thought I was because I'm, I've apo- I apologize. I've. I, I think Have I you both apologize because you're, but... yeah, you're, 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 the father still wants to beat your son. This is, the father has not apologized. Okay, well, that's important. So men don't apologize, sees the son. Men don't back down. Men don't admit that they're wrong. Men double down on everything. Couldn't be clearer. He does have a little bit of that attitude. He's. Said, no, no, that's not attitude. And well, I mean, he does have that, I guess, perspective on manhood. Because no, even it's not his when... perspective on manhood. It's what he's been explicitly and implicitly taught. Yes, it is exactly. It is. So it's not like he it's has embedded this. in him now. It's. It's now I, like if I if I teach my child English, I don't say, "Well, my child has English." Yeah. <laughs> My child has this perspective on language called, my, my child has this attitude called English. I taught my child English. Why has the father not apologized for the yelling, for the fighting, for the hitting, for the instability, for the separation? Why has... The father not apologized. I don't know. Sure you do. Come on. Don't give me that. Don't fog out on me now, sister. (laughs) Of course you do. I would just assume that this just falls into place with me. I just always take care of things and um, I apologized. So the apology is, I guess, on behalf of both of us. I oftentimes nope. apologize. No, no, that's not. He, 
that's not why he hasn't apologized. And and don't don't think for a moment that the kids think that you're apologizing on behalf of their dad. Especially if you say, I'm sorry for hitting you, and your son hears your dad say he ought to be beaten. Do you think that then you apologize for the hitting? Do you think that the son thinks that you're apologizing for the dad too? No, definitely not in that situation. It would so not feel like why, why has the dad not apologized? I guess he just doesn't think that... He thinks that he's the man of the house, I guess, and he doesn't really need to apologize. And but why? Yeah, but you just why hasn't why hasn't he apologized? Because he doesn't feel he needs to apologize. That's not that's not adding anything new, right? He'll I'm sorry? apologize for certain things, like if he assumed that my daughter did something, and then he sees like, oh, she really didn't do that. You know, he'll apologize. He'll apologize for certain things, but he has not apologized for like. Oh, hey, spanking. Uh, well, he hasn't spanked my daughter or anything. But anyways, for 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 the big damage, for arguing, like let's say if we argued in front of the kids, he wouldn't apologize for something like that. Uh, Why not? I know he's not apologizing. Why is he not apologizing? I don't know. Yes, I guess he doesn't do. look at it as he did something wrong. Right. Right. He's done nothing wrong. Now, if he's done nothing wrong, then he is not at all causal in how your son behaves. He has no responsibility for negative behavior on your son's part because the father has done nothing wrong. And therefore, all negative behaviors on the part of your son are either your fault or your son's fault. Can't be him can't be him yeah it is it is exactly all the burden of the male modeling falls on your son it's all his fault because it can't be anything that his father did that was wrong or dysfunctional or problematic can't be anything to do with him so it's got to be all the son's fault. And that's why you gave me this story way back at the beginning of this conversation about your son's attitude. Not, my son has been imprinted by a very aggressive man who thinks he should be beaten, who yells and doesn't apologize, and who thinks that he's master of the house and never has to admit fault. I don't know why my son is not more obedient. Yeah. Isn't he just doing what he sees? I guess definitely that is what he's doing. It's, it's exactly how you said it. But you're looking at yourself and you're saying, I should change some things and I'm going to take responsibility and I'm going to apologize. Right? Yes. But the dad... Ugh, man of house... Stanley Kowalski. <laughs> there ought to be no apologies. Apologies are signs of weakness. Right? Shields are never down, Captain. Right? Yes, exactly. And so you have a son who is... And you look, tell me, if I'm going astray, obviously let me know. Certainly let oh, me no, you're, you're... 
But you have a son who doesn't, I assume, have a lot of self-criticism. Uh, is not His behavior is not particularly modifiable because he doesn't really get or understand that he's doing anything wrong. And you've got a father who is really frustrated by another male in the house who doesn't admit fault and change his behavior. I'm like, what? How is, I never understand how this is even remotely possible for parents to get frustrated at the behavior of their children that directly mirrors their own behavior. Yeah, I guess. So, if forget, forget the sun. <laughs> right? you, you're trying to move the shadow without moving the statue. Forget, forget about your son and modifying his behavior. You've got you to gotta work on the dad. Wow. Right? If the son sees that masculinity means admitting when you're wrong, making amends, learning, growing, being self-critical, surrendering to higher standards of behavior that everyone has to adhere to, well, guess what he's going to start doing? Well, you know, as in working on the man, I think that I knew that inside myself that it was kind of inevitable, but um, some people are difficult to talk to, and it's... Okay, you, you, play, you play the father, I'll play you, okay? <laughs> no. I don't know if I can get that whole sultry Melissa Etheridge <laughs> blues thing you got going on there. I don't, I don't know if I'll be able to get that down. But you, you be him, and I'll be you, and let's just see how it goes. Do we really have to do this? We don't have to do anything you don't want to, but I think it would be helpful. <laughs> okay. okay. All right? All right. You don't you do an accent. I don't give it. Well, <laughs> I just don't have an accent. You know, have one, right? Okay. So, father of child spawn of my loins. I, I've really been thinking about our son, and I've really been thinking about how you know he really it's hard to change his behavior because he never really admits that he's done anything wrong. He's very willful and he's pretty pretty aggressive, and I just I I worry the degree to which. This may be coming, you know, you're the most important influence in his life. You're, you're his father, and he's going to do whatever you do, right? I mean, that, that's how nature works, right? I mean, hey, this is how you make children, so I'm going to grab the basic purpose of his genes, why he's a man and not a blob of protozoa that works on mitosis. Uh, why he's a man and has the dangly bits uh, is because genes reproduce so he's going to do whatever you do yes. because you're the most sexually s successful male in his environment you, he's you you're the reason he's there so he's well, going to do he would say um i told you a long time ago to handle this boy now he's out of control now you're going to say it's me it's because you were on that stupid show the other day and that guy He's a nobody. I, I, you know, I've told you this is like, it's, it's ultimately going to come down to me. It'll be very hard for me to have a conversation. No, I get like that. This I get him. that. Okay. Is, uh, to be honest, like, I don't want, uh, sorry, I'm not trying to call you a stupid guy or your show. No, no, that's stupid. fine. Just, no, be know. honest. Be honest. Okay. But you'd say, look, do you, do you think that, I would just ask him, I would say, do you think that how you are has a significant effect on how he is? Um, no, because he spends all his time with you mostly. You're who he looks up to. He's a mama's boy, is what I say. And that's... 
So are you saying that you, do, you, the male and the father in his life, what percentage of how he is do you think you have this some kid is all your genes. He's if he was my son, he would be listening. Wait, wait, sorry, would he really say like it's all your genes? Did you like clone <laughs> him from a fingernail or something like that? No, he's half your genes, and you're his father. I would just ask. I say, well, okay. Do you think it's obviously not a hundred percent? He's not a hundred percent from you, uh, his character, his personality, right? He's certainly 50% of the genes, right? But what percentage would you say he is because of how you are as a person? Because like, he looks up to you. You're his father. He wants to imitate you and so on. So it has to be more than zero. Zero is some person he's never even met, right? Well, I mean, you know that I work hard. And if you uh, were nicer to me and made me feel appreciated and respected me in front of the kids, then this wouldn't be happening. Well, no, no, but that's not what I'm asking you. Let's just try and stay on topic here for a second, right? I mean, we, we, we can get to complaining about me in a bit, and you can complain about me all you want. I'm just asking you, what percentage of how our son is, do you think, may be a reflection of how you are? It's not zero, and it's not a hundred. I'm just very asking little, you for a and you have so a what? temper well, what? too. Give me a number. Give me a number. Ten percent, twenty percent. So twenty percent. Okay, all right, twenty percent. Now, if we had a way of changing twenty percent of who he is that we haven't explored yet, we'd be interested in that, right? Um. I don't know how he would answer to that. Well, you'd have to say yes, right? I mean, <laughs> unless he's like going to start putting on I a guess. duck suit, okay, looking let's like say a magpie. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so he'd say yes. Okay, so uh, you know, to some degree, the 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 son is the shadow cast by the father, right? I mean, he's not growing up, as they say, the 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 apple doesn't fall far from the tree, yeah. right? In terms of like, right? So, so. What do we want from our son? Well, we want him to be less uh, volatile, less um, defensive, right? Less resistant to input, right? Yes. Now, you know, when I'm trying to talk to you about this, you seem to be kind of reactive, right? Kind of like don't want to talk about it and you start insulting me and stuff like that. Do you think that that behavior has any impact on our son at all? Yeah, obviously, but it's just as much your fault that it is my fault. Oh, no, I get that. I get that. I get that. But this this is a new part. Like, we've been talking about my fault, and I've it's, been trying to work to improve as a, a parent and all that. But we haven't really talked much about things that you could change that would cause your son to, to because he looks up to you so much, to change his behavior based upon what what you're changing, right? Here, I think... Um, he would be okay. We've discussed uh, sometimes, like, sometimes we're in a safe place, I would say. We're we're getting a lot better. <laughs> um, sometimes we're in a safe place and we're talking and maybe it's the way the flow of information is going out because, anyways, uh, he will take, accept something 
better. Like, yeah, maybe I could do that and you could do this and we'll try that. And the, even this whole, um, peaceful parenting thing, like I tell him, I don't, I don't want to hit the kids and I don't want to, um, you know, he's, he's went with it. He hasn't went and hit the kids or something, you know, he was, he was four. Yeah, he says, he just, your son should be beaten. But he's, he's starting, he's, he's saying, a- like, basically, if our son doesn't change by the time he's four, then he now wants to change that method. Like, we've done it my way. It's still not working. Type of, this is where he Oh, he wants to it. start hitting your son. Thinking, like, now maybe we should try this way, and maybe he will actually listen. So this is pretty imminent, right? I mean, the, the, the challenge is here, right? Because you said he's getting close to being four, and as far as I understand it, you know, the beatings will commence at four until behavior improves. That it's, it's something that he, he's, he does. I, I don't know if he's fully serious is the thing. I, I think he has, you might like, I think check he that. thinks that maybe, you know, I wouldn't say beat him, like <laughs> tie him up with, but the hitting him, yeah, yeah. be no, more specific hitting him, you know, uh, Maybe like being just stern, like military style, like yeah. kind of. And attitude. he thinks that being hit himself as a child was beneficial to him, right? Yes, yes. It's very hard to he thinks, and it's like, look, and we all love my dad, and you know we're good, and I'm okay, and you know that kind of attitude. You think I would have done this to my dad, and so right. I, it's it's hard to to unconvince because I understand the theory behind it. I understand why. You know, sometimes um, you can look at this as a, yeah, this maybe will work. You know, what else do we have to lose? I can see why some parents turn to that, especially if you've been through it yourself and you do still have love for your parents and you think that it whipped you into shape or it made you have respect or something. You actually believe that. Then, of course, you're going to think the same thing for your children. But... I think it would be the like worse thing, especially for my son. I tend to be, I don't know. I, 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 I don't think that approach would work at all. At the same time, when he says that, I, I, I don't really know what to say. Sometimes he even has got me thinking maybe he's right. Like I'm failing somehow. Like, a, you know, well, look, the, the problem, part of the problem is that the, your son is exposed to two very different parenting styles. I mean, you're focusing on the peaceful parenting, for which I hugely applaud you, and I think that's brave and wonderful and courageous, and I, you know, I can't you know, kiss the hem of your garment enough to, to <laughs> express my admiration for that. But you got a kind of bit of a medievalist on your hands with regards to the dad, right? Yes, he's, yes. he's kind of, and, and it's like sometimes he thinks, he acts almost on board, like... Some days go very good, and he gets, you know, and it's it's all right. And but then after, you know, not every day is great. And what uh, what is he getting in daycare? Do you know? Um, as far as um, obviously they're not beating him. Right? No, I mean they're yes. not. Yes, like they're the form of discipline him and, at at daycare is what you mean. Like, yeah. Um. So they have like a green section and a yellow section and a red section on this board. And the green is very good, excellent, and you get privileges along with being in the green. And then you have the yellow, which is means you were kind of steering off to the bad area, like towards the red area, 
like you were bad, but you're redirecting yourself. So we'll put you in yellow and you still have an option to go back to green. So if you're bad, you're not considered bad all day. That's it. There's no, it was just, you did a bad behavior. Um, you know, that type of, and red is, you know, you don't have any of these special privileges. You were bad and bad behavior would be consisting of not cleaning up after yourself. No, no, Um, I get it. I get it. But it's, it's, consequence based it's still punishment and reward based which i don't you know that's how you train puppies i'm not sure that's great for for people but um and and what sort of reports do you get from the daycare workers about um well he'd be often um i would say when he first started he was generally always in the green it was good he was a good boy i wouldn't get much but these days, um, it's he has some good weeks, and then it seems like when he's in the red, let's say on a Monday or Tuesday, it tends to linger mostly for the rest of the the week. So this is exactly, and I had this exact same conversation, this part of it, with someone seven or eight years ago on one of these call-in shows. But this is, you, you said about your... Your partner, you said about the boy's uh, father that he has his good days and he has his bad days, right? Yes. <laughs> and what did you what did you just say about your son? And he has his good days and his bad days. Right. Which means that there's no external the, the father has no external standards by which he will regulate his mood. In other words, it's mood dependent interactions, which is really really destabilizing. Yes, I agree. Because you don't know. Good, 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 uh, good mood. The moodiness is really stressful, right? Because there's no external standard by which you will can say, well, this behavior is not acceptable. And the person will say, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm being cranky. And, you know, here's what happened. And I, I don't mean to take it out on you. That's wrong, right? That kind of stuff, right? Yes. He has his good days. Hey, we're up, right? He has his bad days. Oh, we're down. And this should not be a mystery if this is how you describe the father. Yes. We are, even me, I would say, I'm not going to say I don't have, I have good and bad days as well, right? Well, like, everybody does. Yes. Everybody does. But it's the, the degree to which you can be called out on bad behavior. And, and that you're willing to say, like, obviously, so in, in my household, we... I shouldn't say my household, in, in the house that I live in. That's not my house. Right? In the house that I live in, we have rules. And we have standards. They're not like written down, right? Not need a constitution, don't need to salute the <laughs> Molyneux flag every morning, but we have standards, right? Yeah. We don't snap at each other. We don't yell at each other. We we don't sulk. We don't walk out of conflicts. We you know, we, we sit down and we we can be angry with each other. We can be upset we can be you know we can be in bad mood that's all perfectly fine that's natural but there are standards of behavior that we all accept and if anybody deviates from those standards of behavior you remind them you say this we don't do this here this is not how we're going to have it right it's not how we're going to live oh yeah i'm sorry we don't do that right? that's that's great actually i really like that that's that's the way it should be my daughter's actually very good for that well She's modeling herself more after you, and you obviously have more self-critical capacity than the father, I would guess. 
So it doesn't sound like with the family as a whole, there are these standards of behavior that everyone's on board with. And deviations, you know, like, I don't know, in cars they have these, like, things they'll read the lanes. Like, if you drift from the lane, beep, 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 right, oh, get back in the lane. Yes, yes, exactly. But that's what we need for, like, what relationships need. Yeah, well, you know, you're you're absolutely right because it's not like there's certain things like a, we we don't we don't hit you know why are you hitting your brother you know that that's not fair, and you know we talk about like there's certain things that we say like oh we don't do this we don't do that we don't do this, but we've never actually and including like father me like all of us as a family like actually talk about it and then always steer each other to the right way, right? And so, you have and, to but yeah that's that's important. But a very key component of that is if we say we don't hit, then, then really it needs to be hit. acknowledged. No, it needs to be acknowledged that hitting occurred in the past and the, the, the decision has been made Why? that what the parents did was wrong, which yes. is what you've talked about with regards to hitting with your kids, which is great. And But you're, the, has, the, the father needs to do that too. He needs to say the hitting was wrong. We don't hit. I'm sorry that I ever did that. It was wrong of me to do that. Because without that acknowledgement, it won't stick. Because you can't claim something is universal but just starts today. Yes. I understand. And part of the way that we train ourselves away from bad behavior is the humiliation of having to apologize when we <laughs> screw up. Oh, no. I got to go on bended knee and whatever, whatever, right? It's not always easy, I guess, to apologize. No, no it's not. But but it's one of these things that gets a lot easier once. Like, it's 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 hard to apologize to people who use it against you. Yes. But it's easy to apologize to people who say, "Well, I appreciate that. Thanks very much." And you know, it's that's right. You move past, right? Gone, done, and dusted, as they say in uh, in England. So, if you're going to say to your four year old we don't hit, then the 35-year-old who did it when he was 30 or 32 or whatever has to say, I'm really sorry for hitting you because I'm saying to you at four, you should know better than to hit, but I at 32 didn't know better than to hit. So I get what I'm asking for is going to seem really hypocritical. It's going to seem really like crazy. But this is something I've just recently learned and it's a real shock to me and that's why I'm apologizing because I can't say to you, well, don't hit when I hit when I was 30 years older than you. Yes. And that's why the acknowledgement, the apology, and the explanation is so important. Absolutely. And if everyone can sit down, you know, everybody lives together for yes. so many years, you know, and, and you, you don't you don't get into a cell phone contract without 40,000 pages of two-point squintovision legalese, right? Yes. And yet we can't decide on seven or six or five basic rules for living together in a family structure, right? Yeah. And we have these conversations. We, have these, we sit down and we say, look, here's, here's where things went a little bit awry today. And, you know, here's how we can fix it. And said, remember, you know, we're three of us are living together here, and it's it's not ending anytime anytime soon. I mean, we we're you know face to face, stuck together for for years and years and years. 
And so we don't want to let things drift. We don't want to let things get bad. Everybody needs to get a voice. Everybody needs to be heard. I mean, does, does, I'm sure you do, but does, does the father ever sit down and say, what do you need from me? How could I parent better? How could I be a better parent for you? Um, I don't think he's ever asked them if, what, how would he could do to be a better parent? Um, but he has asked them, you know, do you, do you want something? Do you need something from me? He's tried to hold them accountable for, you know, for their, he's, he's, he's not a bad talker. You know, he's. But he's a service provider. He's providing a service called fatherhood. And, you know, you got to talk to your customers, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, but now I'm that sure they're growing you know, he up, works hard, he's, right? he's participating a lot more. You know, definitely right. he's, he's realizing. And we're, you know, and we've realized together as well that, you know, we've made, you know, so many mistakes, right? I mean, it's, we don't like to say that, but I mean, we weren't. You know, the best. And, you know, we always want to be better and, and, and be better at parenting, be better lovers to each other, be better parents, all of it. And, uh, but, so he does, he does talk with the kids. And I wouldn't say necessarily, though, asking what he can do to, to be better, that, that would be a great thing to ask. Um, and I'll definitely mention it to him. Cause that's that's great, and I I've asked them, but you know they change all the time. And of course, but I should change all the should, time. You don't get you get one survey, and then you know, yeah. that's it. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, we did survey kids. You know, we did survey the restaurant customers four years ago. I'm sure nothing's changed since then. Right? <laughs> it does constantly change because, of course, I mean the kids are growing. Like, I mean, the kids are growing and changing so much. You know, like you know, my daughter wants to know more. Um, more autonomy, right? perfectly sensible, but it's hard to. Now, and uh, so a couple of you know, a couple of practical suggestions, right? I mean, so um, I, I I couldn't find it, and I was just looking for it, but I, I was um, uh, I'll um, I'll send it to Mike when I find it. I don't want to distract myself from the conversation too much, and, and he'll forward it to you. But uh, there was a, a a parenting expert who gave. Advice to uh, the, the daughter was was acting out, was being mean, and, and all that kind of stuff. And um, the the, um, the parenting expert said, uh, I, d- "I don't want to hear about it." And he said, uh, "I want you to have this is the only time they could fit it in. I want you to have three uh, breakfasts." Um, the, the father, I can't remember why it was the father. I don't think it was because father, whatever, right? But um, three breakfasts a week. That's my Right, just the two of you. Okay. No rush. Three breakfasts out, just the two of you, and uh, it was quite a radical transformation. You know, uh, our kids are so hungry for time with us. Yes. And to feel valued, and to feel loved, and to feel, you know, I mean, I tell my daughter like every single day just how incredibly thrilled I am that she's in my life, and you know what a lucky father I am, and that's all incredibly true. Like she knows that she is, you know, she and my wife are like the best things that ever will happen to me. And quality time, I don't know, quality time is just one of these weird things. I don't really know what to make of it. But in terms of quality time between the father and the son, they need to do their things together. 
I would. Okay. They definitely need some time alone together as father and son. Right. Right. It's hard. You know, you never know when those deep conversations are going to happen. That's true. You don't, right? Because it happened out of nowhere. You can't plan them usually. But just suddenly, like, the planets align and it's like, boom. Suddenly, it's like crazy, wonderful depth. And then it can be like a week or two till it happens again. You never know. You just got to be around. Exactly. Not make them happen. Um, But when they happen, they're incredibly important. And uh, it's almost like this weird spontaneous combustion that happens to our hearts. And um, you just need to be around for that kind of stuff to happen. And I, I think that that's necessary. The fact is that we all can improve in terms of parenting. You know, you can talk to the father and see, would he be interested in getting an expert involved? You know, if you've, you want to solve this stuff now. Yes, definitely. You know, your son this is, is only going to get bigger and stronger. We both agree with that. Is, this yeah. is what we're your saying. Your son's only going to get bigger and stronger, and you guys are only going to get older and weaker, right? Yes. Right? The old get old, and the young get stronger. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that is... Um, that is important. So you got to deal with it now. Escalation of aggression is not going to work now, I think, because your son's personality is like 80%, 90% formed already. Yeah. And, and if, I, I, you know, my virtually certain prediction, which simply means that I'm certain about it, it's not a certainty, right? But it's just, is that, uh, you know, your, your son will match you escalation for escalation because the escalation is going to come from his father so he's going to say oh so males escalate I'm a male I wonder what I'm going to do I'm going to escalate right this is what men do this is what men do he's just going to mirror the behavior of his father and so if your dad sorry if his dad drives an escalation he's just going to escalate because that's what men do yes copy the male copy that's what men do copy the male copy the male copy the male because that's how you get Right? Because the male got mom pregnant. That's what I'm designed to do as a male. So that's what I'm not mom, but get another woman pregnant. So that's what I'm going to do. Nice. And that behavior uh, is is important. I don't think you can adjust. I'm certain you cannot adjust your son's behavior without his father adjusting his behavior. I, I think you're absolutely right. This is going to be, um, yeah. I... And get an expert involved. I mean, he, he's right. I'm just some idiot on the internet, so like, I'm just <laughs> giving right. I, I'm not a scientist. I, I, I have no degree. I'm not a psychologist. I just say, you know, let's go talk to an expert. Let's go talk to somebody who's got some facts. You know, you, you got a weird lump on your back. You, you don't go to the barber, right? You go to the doctor because the doctor's yeah. trained, you know, and we've got parenting challenges because he's got to admit, like, he's not parenting the way he was parented so you guys are doing something new yeah exactly we're both we're both doing something very new right so you got to get to get some expertise when you're doing something new that's true i guess i never looked at it like that i mean i don't, I don't need a dentist to help me brush my teeth i i've been doing it for quite a while I, yeah. i've got it down I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty good with that i don't often do it with my ear in the way i don't do the wrong end uh, I don't use a, a vacuum cleaner or a mop. You know, I'm, I've got it down. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Nothing new about brushing my teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. But when it comes to something I've not done before, 
yeah, I, uh, I either outsource it and you can't really outsource parenting. Yes. Or you go to an expert. I mean, you have to. Right? Doing something new. And uh, if you're doing exactly what you did before, well, you get the same results you did before and all that. And uh, um, But, you know, the, the thing that troubles me is this... Um, when we were role playing, you know, I did get a bit of a bit of a chilling sense of just um, this this lack of self criticism that that is going to be a challenge. And I think that I mean, he can't think that everything he does is perfect. Nobody can think that and be sane. Right? That's I, I know we naturally don't like to be criticized, but that's it, it is hard well, to speak I, to to somebody who just like, really doesn't like it. You know, it's hard. But the, he's he's taking it a lot better than how he used to be like, you know, we're, we're both making a lot of efforts I and mean, he's changed a lot, a lot. And so I, cause I don't want to make this sound like I'm, I'm here putting him down or something. Right. He's, you know, he's not a bad guy at all. Um, and he's a, he is a good dad, but, um, you know, it's, he is difficult to talk to. It's, it's, it's hard to bring up, um, soft topics because he does tend to get defensive thinking that this is an attack. And then with him thinking it's an attack, he, you know, doesn't flee, but he fights right away and he'll either hit me right away with an attack. And then when, when we're like that, this is how we used to be a lot before, um, you know, it doesn't get anywhere. We're just ping ponging and hurting each other, you know, not solving any problems uh, whatsoever. Um, but it's, it's hard sometimes when you're, you're just trying to talk and express and you know, exchange information. Right. Let's say I heard this, even if you don't agree with it, it doesn't have to be an argument. Right. But, um, it is, it is difficult, you know, to, but hopefully, um, you know, I, I, I love everything that you said and, uh, I'm hoping he's going to feel the same way. Yeah, definitely. I would say, yeah, get to an expert. Uh, it's, it's not that expensive relative to how much stress and worry if this continues, uh, you're going to be going through. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly look, I hugely appreciate the, the care and concern that you have for the future of your family. I mean, they're lucky uh, to, to have you in the, uh, in their corner, your, your kids. Well, thank and, you. Uh, massive, uh, uh, massive uh, props and respect for that. And, uh, thank you very much. Good. Uh, yeah, good, good work. I mean, I wish I could get more eloquent. Good job. Good on you, mate. Uh, that was, uh, it, it's really great. So, yeah, that would be my suggestions. Um, but, uh, you know, if he's got skepticism about me, which, yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I have skepticism. Tell him if it's any consolation, I have skepticism about me as well, which is why I'm constantly pointing people at experts. But, yeah, get to a, a parenting expert uh, who I'm sure will give you, you know, hopefully better advice uh, or at least more actionable advice. I don't really well, tell people what to do because it's doing though. good. That, um, but yeah, will you let us know how it goes? Yes, I will definitely. I will definitely. If, I'm, if I will definitely let you know um, the progress. I will say progress because that's what I'm expecting is progress. Positive projections, Fantastic. let's say. <laughs> More like and not expectations, but um, just trying to uh, draw the path to that. Great stuff. Great well, progress. thanks so much, Chantelle. I appreciate, appreciate the call. Thank you. And, I appreciate uh, this you is, taking this is the time. The... Thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. Hey, it's what I do. <laughs> so, and and also, if you go to a parenting expert and he says that I or she says that I'm completely wrong, please call in and let me correct myself. Uh, I will definitely. 
Yeah, yeah, no, tell me, tell me, because, uh, you know, I, I'm just telling you my thoughts based upon some general principles, so uh, if there's expertise out there that contradicts me, I'll definitely correct. Well, I will so definitely thanks, Emil, thanks, Emil. Thank you so much, Stefan. Yeah, thanks so much. All the best. All the best to you, and too. And thanks so much to everyone. Uh, freedomainradio.com slash donate to help us spread this kind of love, this kind of opportunity, this kind of possibility, this kind of change in our families uh, and in parenting. That's the real meat of the matter. That's where the future grows in its most fertile soil. So freedomainradio.com slash donate to help us out and to help out people like Chantel. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have yourselves a wonderful night. Sorry to the third caller. Oh, so sorry. But uh, we'll uh, get to you, I'm sure, very soon. And I guess we'll talk to you guys uh, on Wednesday. And uh, uh, don't drive drunk. <laughs> Bye.